0: hello and welcome to ms podcast in today's podcast i have somebody who intrigued me actually i kind of stalked him on linkedin (laughs) i must say (laughs) it's my fault Oh uh, Yes, you got a groupie, and he's going to say, Well, I'm going to block you right now. I'm not going to do the conversation with you. But I was interested because uh, this is Scott Herald, and he runs a nonprofit uh, called The Rock the Cause and Rock the Cause Records. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to go back first before we talk about uh, your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So you were a director of sales for LifeWorks service, then you moved in, moved on to Clear Channel, where you hair uh, host Cause Rock, hosted by Rock the Cause on Cities 97, then in your journey, continued to go and become a CEO and owner of Hysteria Media. I like the name actually, <laughs> that would be more along my line. See, this is why I was stalking you, I'm admitting it right now. <laughs> And then you became the CEO and founder of rock the Cause, which is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And um, I see director of business of music and vocational discovery high school for recording arts as well. Yeah. So hi Scott, how are you doing today?
1: Hello. <laughs> good to good to speak with you.
0: So you got it, you have a very interesting path to be honest I, with you it's it's an amazing path you've got an orthodox i will say
1: yeah i don't have the normal trajectory and i hear people tell me all the time wow when they when they hear the breadth of everything i do they go wow i mean and and i'm and i mean that in the most humble of terms i'm a pretty humble guy but most people look at me and say wow that is that is not the average trajectory that most people would take i mean i've got yeah there's a, there's many many different paths that all kind of tie, tie back to the same suit.
0: Oh, absolutely. So I want to start at the beginning because um, it's amazing to see that uh, you, the way you started was to be the director of sales from LifeWorks, then on-air host. So I'm curious to know when you were working for LifeWorks Services, which is a nonprofit as well. So, so you started in nonprofit organization, am I correct?
1: I started in the corporate world. I okay. Was a, you know my LinkedIn uh, should show this, but that's okay. It's I I went to school for theater, and um,
2: you know I grew,
1: up, I grew up in Southeast Nebraska, um, outside of Omaha, and my mom raised three boys on nine thousand dollars a year and my father left when I was 13 he was he was not someone that was present okay. so we, well, we grew up in really intense severe poverty and I, I put myself through college wanted to be in theater wanted to be that you know back in the 80s we called it the you know the the brat pack you know with Molly ringwald and you know, you know all the other all people were doing movies like pretty and pink et etc I wanted mm-hmm. to be kids but then I got into furniture sales because I needed a job. And I yes. started working for a company that made custom-built leather furniture. I was 25 years old. I needed work. I was out of college. I really wasn't doing anything. I was just kind of laying around my apartment all day long uh, listening to Donovan records and 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 reading obscure romantic poetry. And it's like, I got to get a job. I got to work. So I got a job working in furniture um, because my theater background gave me sales experience. And you know, from there, I parlayed that into Uh, going to work as the senior vice president of sales and executive vice president of sales for different companies that service merchandising and merchandising placement in some of the world's biggest consumer brands like Target, Super Value, 3M, you you name a major, Mm -hmm. major retailer or a major consumer brand. I've probably had a marketing and merchandising team on it at one point. Then I decided one day I woke up and I said, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm in the corporate world. Yep. I'm in my mid-30s. I climbed up from, you know, abject poverty to being in my mid-30s, making $100,000 a year in sales. Mm-hmm. And um, This isn't me. This is not who I am. I, I am someone who comes from humble means. I have a heart and a soul. I don't like laying people off. I, I yeah. don't like aspect of making all this money that only, that only benefits angel investors and consortium. Yep. Etc. I, I don't like this, so I started a nonprofit called Rock the Cause, and at that time it was really something that was an idea. I'm a musician; I play in bands as well. And I said, "Well, let's let's throw this interesting nonprofit together that will throw concerts and engage young people, get young people into giving." You know, at that time in the in the mid 2000s, a lot of um, nonprofits were experiencing a loss in stewardship because the population. Yep. Etc. It's still it's still a chronic problem, so originally it was supposed to just start out as um, you know a nonprofit that through mm-hmm. concert and the door you know young bands would play and the door would go to various causes etc. And then one day I got a call from uh, a friend of mine here in the Twin Cities. We're based out of the Twin Cities, and um, he said, I think Rock the Cause needs its own record label, and I've got a charitable CD. He, he also, my friend uh, Mike Besser also owned a record label called Grain Belt Records. Okay. Because i a charitable CD that's come across my desk. I can't do anything with it. I think Rock the Cause needs its own record label. And I'm like, well, I, I have no experience doing that. Mm-hmm. He, goes, he goes, you'll <laughs> learn. And he got on the phone with The Orchard, which um, is the largest digital distribution service in the world for music. They are a division of Sony Records and Sony Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And we got a, a distribution deal and we started releasing music for charitable causes. And we've had five number one hits. Um, our music, we've sold uh, half a million charitable downloads. We've sold 50,000 physical and digital records. We've been streamed tens of millions of times we've impacted, you know, tens of millions of people around the world through music and videos, et cetera. We've served over 50 different causes and, um, it's been, it's been incredible. And from there, you know, based on that experience, I Junior Achievement one day called me up on the phone and said, "Hey, Scott, you know, we, we've got this school in St. Paul that that serves underserved populations of youth. Mm-hmm. Many of them are homeless. Many of them are dropouts. They're kicked out, pushed out. Um, there's gang-related activity, etc. It's 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 a, a tough situation with these kids, and yep. they don't understand the idea of corporate giving or yep. nonprofit giving." It's not it's, it's foreign to them. It's not their world. Can you go and teach them mm-hmm. That was high school for recording arts in St. Paul and I fell in love with the school. And then the school said to me, you know, we need somebody in here that really knows how to teach the young people about the business side. Yes, nations industry. And would you be willing to spend some time here at the school as paid staff to help do this? So I can currently still run Rock the Cause Records in addition to um, teaching at the high school for recording arts and leading the educational discovery program. Um, I have at any given moment, anywhere from 15 to 30 paid interns who are 16 to 18 years of age, making 15 bucks an hour who are creating content. Nice record servicing media to the press securing airplay for artists um, on my record label and you know my record label, you know, last year I, we had a project with Bonnie Rape the indigo girls and and uh, several indigenous women called no more pipeline blues. Mm-hmm. Money to stop a uh, pipeline three here in Minnesota and my students were hand working that to the media making 15 bucks an hour and you um, I won the, uh, here in, in Minnesota, we have uh, Ramsey County, mm-hmm. which is the largest and most diverse county. And this year I was awarded the Vic Verne Award by Ramsey County, which is their highest social services award that they give to people who go above and beyond to show dedication to young people um, and uh, in terms of education and providing employment opportunity to them. So yeah, that's my trajectory, man. Very different. That,
0: that That's a different one, but I'm curious to know because you mentioned at the beginning, yeah. you went for the arts and theaters and things like that. So what gave you the inspiration? Because like you said, and I, I can relate to because we grew up poor. So yeah, it's not like uh, we were born with a silver spoon. It was the reverse. We got the the rusted one actually yeah. silver spoon if we got a spoon at all yeah exactly <laughs> that wasn't a spoon at all we thought it was a spoon but he wasn't looking back but uh, you know what i mean it's like you're going through struggles but i'm i'm curious to know because um when you grew up where did you got the um, the the mindset uh, as a kid to think about the theater to think about all of that because you know if you take different kids from uh, who live in in a stage of poverty poverty some will have their imagination and like you somehow you get attracted to it and i'm curious to know how because it's amazing to hear you know you wanted the arts you wanted to be art, you were and you are artistic but growing in such a, a, a poor environment, were you exposed to the arts or how did it come about for you to try to go into that direction first before you move to sales to make a living?
1: You know, um, you know, I think with with many kids who who in, 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 any any background, any economic background, but especially with low income kids, um, you learn to be creative because you have to you have to be creative to survive. You, yep. you create incredible things out of nothing. Mm hmm. You know, and now I'm entrenched in the world of hip hop. And if we look back on the history of hip hop, we have, you know, underserved, disenfranchised economically, um, you know, people who are, don't have any economic access and they, and they out of nothing, they built this music phenomenon. So for me, it was, my creativity was tied to, I, I think there was an incident, there was an episode with my grandmother where things were really tough at home. I had, I had a very abusive father. And he was very abusive to me physically and emotionally. And I remember drawing a picture one day of just a horse, a very simple horse, and showing it to my grandmother, Sadie. And I think Sadie knew that I needed a boost. I think she knew knew that I needed something to grab a hold of. And she Mm -hmm. took that picture that I drew, and she put it up on her kitchen wall. And to me, that was such a big moment because I'm like, wow, somebody actually has validated something that I'm, I've done. I'm not this stupid idiot that my dad tells me I am all the time. Somebody actually mm-hmm. sees me and hears me and sees something in me. And, you know, based on wanting her love, I proceeded to make dozens of pictures and hang them up on, on grandma's wall. And um, then I drew something that actually ended up winning um, a statewide competition in the third grade for the state of Nebraska. And I, I got a, a set of pens and and paper because of it. And so um, I just, you know, I was one of these kids that I, I was very smart. I was talented and I was gifted, but I'm growing up in the middle of nowhere where, yep. you know, farm life can you know. form and- you have to conform to what's going on. I didn't play football. I I didn't conform to that Mm -hmm. that small town mentality. And the arts were a way for me to escape. You know, there was also a lot of music in my household because if music was playing, that meant we were at peace. If there was music playing in the car or music playing on the stereo, it means dad wasn't beating me.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, it became an escape for me. And the more I dived into that escape, the more I learned about myself and I, and I began to observe others. And, and, I, and I got very mm-hmm. keenly aware of, of, of understanding the needs of others almost on an empathic level, so to speak.
0: Yes. So. I, I totally relate to what you're saying because it's about a similar trajectory yeah. on my side. So I, I do relate to what you're uh, sharing as information, especially when you need to find a way to escape. But what I love is your grandma was your life's lifeline actually because she really saw the need you needed? She and she did, that. yes, and she did something that, that changed the course of your life. And instead, okay. then believing to what this is the unfortunate part of it, too, because children's all of all of the children's are extremely creative. But when you got an environment that is not, um, I would say ideal. And that doesn't promote growth, creativity, nurturing, then the child, and I said that multiple times, will absorb it, will absorb and believe what somebody says. Yes. And that's the unfortunate side of it, that a lot of children who have a lot to give and to create in this world... Yeah. don't have that opportunity and their life their life is changing because they now believe in something that is not true and there is a small percentage of them and I'm one of them actually and I'm so grateful for my mind I'm just so grateful for my spirit actually i lived i created a bubble in my head uh-huh. and it was music came later on actually it came in the 80s because i finally bought my walkman <laughs> yeah and it was my
1: solace man if i was oh in that my
0: god world, it think, did for me too
1: i was safe i was in my <laughs> own world man and i didn't have to talk to nobody
0: and you was at the beginning in europe of fm because yeah. everything was am yeah and it was. i hooked myself up on uh, i had one uh, fm station who actually was picking up other uh um radio from here in the us so we could listen to some of the shows which i like in english it's like what the heck are they talking about who cares but the music was there and to me the music was everything it transported me and helped me with my imagination to move forward but at the before the walkman if people don't know and listening to us say what is that just google it all right you <laughs> will see what a walkman is <laughs> you know it's like we feel like grandpa and grandma here come on in the old days but you know before that it was my imagination my refuge was my mind so every time because exposed to violence on both sides it was mom and dad it was mommy dearest and crazy dude uh it was you know children of war there were no limits when we were younger there were no limits on anything they could beat the crap out of of, of a few in front of everybody nobody would move that's that was the, the way it was yeah. Um, you know, it is it was what it was. It's not like um, you know, gonna, hey, that was horrible. Well, that's the way it was, and that's it. But it was for me, my my saving grace was my mind because I didn't have a grandma who would put anything on the wall at all. You're lucky you did. Yeah. But uh what is great is it did not alter who we were.
2: Yeah. It,
0: we we were able to continue without being influenced as much. Uh, from our outer condition to be where we were supposed to be or become who we were supposed to become so that was for me a great point when I grew up and I think it was the same for you and yeah. taking the decision afterward which has found it amazing because you did the arts you went to school yeah. and studied it and you were able this is why it's so good this is where you realize your creativity is theirs yeah you use what you learn at school yeah to put it into sales this is amazing it's yeah. amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was, you know, my mother was always encouraged me to read and, and I love my mom very much. And she was always buying me books and, and build, you know, and books that were really, really you know, above, you know, the skill set of, of an eight or nine or 10 year old, but I dive mm-hmm. in and I'd learned to, to read those books. And, you know, it wasn't that my mother wasn't protecting me. She was so beat down by my dad that she was terrified of him too. And, you know, eventually she she got rid of him and got him out of the house, which was a whole other story altogether. But, you know, going back to the idea of the children, it, it's something I tell the kids at the school all the time, because the kids will come to me and they'll say, hey, Uncle Scotty. And they, they all call me Uncle Scotty, which I, I I'm very proud of that. And, and, yeah. and because, you know, here I am, a blonde haired, blue eyed, white guy, in 20- <laughs> yeah. America, which carries its own certain kind of stigma. yes. That, uh, I'm able to walk into a predominantly Black school, and I'm able to bridge that gap of trust that Mm -hmm. that goes beyond racism and goes beyond, you know, social injustice to where they, they consider me to be their uncle or their father. And we have that that beautiful, that bond between us that says, you know what, you know, we can get along and we can love each other, but they come to me and they'll say things like, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't show up on time. Or I'm sorry. I didn't get this done or I'm sorry about this. And I'll stop. And I'll say, stop saying you're sorry. You don't Mm -hmm. have to tell me that you're sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. And I'll, and I'll follow that with, I want you to know what happened to you is not your fault. Yep. That was done to you. Mm -hmm. you have spent your whole life managing the trauma that you didn't ask for and you don't know who you are beyond that trauma and what we're going to work on is we're going to work on understanding who you really are and Mm -hmm. not who the trauma is telling you to be
0: Exactly, And and
1: most of those kids listen to that and they're like oh my god I've never heard this before
0: exactly And And
1: it's that simple. It's that
0: simple. It's that simple, but nobody is telling them that except you. And to me, it's it's opening because it's opening the door for not healing and understanding. Yeah, we live. You know, when we are born, we're born where we are born, and we live with the actions of our parents and grandparents and the lineage. But when we are born, this is out of our hands. We are children. We are just a witness of what our Parents have set in motion. Yeah. And there is stuff because I remember um and I talked a few times. Uh one day, Daddy DRS decided, oh, I'm gonna screw the bank and I'm not gonna pay the mortgage. Well, guess what happened? Well, they took the house. (laughs) Because if you don't pay the mortgage, (laughs) they take the house. We lost (laughs) everything. Yeah, and those are the consequences when you're a young kid, underage, and you're like, "This is the house that you knew," even yeah. though it wasn't the best house ever. It was not the. It was an old farm. My grandfather had it, and he passed away before he had the time to actually remodel that farm. Yeah. And so we lived in there, and it was our house. It was our roots, basically. Well. The trauma was to, that was one of the biggest trauma for me, was just to go into the unknown and lose everything. Everything that I knew was gone. And this is what, you know, kids have to understand the violence that come along with them. It's not them. They're born in the middle of something that two individuals have set in motion, but this is, should not be their burden neither should they carrying this on their shoulders, but they don't know that.
1: They don't know that because nine times, almost every case, the adult who mm-hmm. is a parent is also just a traumatized child who yep. has, is just trying to survive and, exactly. and not dealing with trauma that was handed to them or not getting the chance to escape it. And they, and they, they stay constantly in survival brain survival mode. Yep. And they carry other people along with them, and it keeps repeating itself, and it's repeating itself, and it's and it's it's challenging. It's, it's something that we we need to look at on a global level, just to stop and say, why do we have, why is there so why do we avoid this why why is there and I don't mean to sound dark saying this, but I but I yeah. believe in many ways we live in a child hating society. When we start looking at healthcare, access to birth control, or even you know, school shootings. Yeah. This this trauma is real. The gun culture. The gun culture in this 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 country is is sick, and and you have the these people who are constantly caught in a state of survival who mm-hmm. never get a chance to thrive, yep. and you only break the cycle once you understand that you are not the trauma, and that you actually can switch into thrive mode.
0: Exactly. But it takes someone to do that or you need to become an observer because it came to a point when I was about I don't know 11 I looked at the situation where we were and I'm like that was way before a few years before we lost the house and I'm like hmm those two are the most toxic individual ever it's like a nuclear bomb every single time I'm like this is not something I want in my life their monkey their circus is not mine and I'm like, yes. I'm not going to reproduce this. I do not want this in my life. But I became the observer. I look at them and say, they're crazy people. Okay. I never felt, first of all, in a place where I was over there to start with, because I was an odd uh, um, kid, meaning I never thought the same way that they did. It was, I was in a different plane. <laughs> Thank God, actually, yeah. because oh my God, that would have been an unfolding disaster. But It's observing it and realizing it. What are they doing? Do I want this in my life? Do I want to to follow their path? But most of the children don't know that because they're so accustomed to see it. They don't think, can I break the cycle? Is there something wrong? Because it's normal. It's normal. It's normal for them. And they've been conditioned to do this.
1: Yeah, that's normal for them. They don't know any, any other thing. And mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was twenty-one, I got in just before I left to move to to Minneapolis. Um, I got myself into a little bit of trouble because I was an angry kid, and like yeah. you know, most most angry kids who grow up poor, you get yourself into trouble from time to time. Yeah. And I remember the the court system, and it was you know it was a misdemeanor offense. It wasn't anything felony or you know, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, it was a misdemeanor offense. But they they ordered me to go speak to a counselor. And I remember going to that counselor and saying, hey, you know, I'm, this is what my life has been like growing up. And I remember that counselor looking at me going, you do realize that what goes on in your household is not normal. And I looked at him, I said, well, what is normal? What's normal? And he looked at me, he goes, did you feel like you had plenty of food when you were growing up? I said, Mm -hmm. no goes, did you feel like that you could come home and know that you, were, you had a reasonable expectation of safety? I said, mm-hmm. no. He goes, that is not okay. And yep. he said, that is the problem. What you went through is not your fault and no child should ever have to go through that. And I need you to understand that was not your doing and you need to stop beating yourself up for it. What you did, what happened to you is not your fault. And it was a it was a turning moment for me to stop and go. Oh, whoa! Wait a minute. This doesn't happen to everybody.
0: Exactly. Isn't it a shocker when somebody say that to you? Yeah.
1: yeah. I stopped and I said, Oh, you, Oh, what? Wait a minute. You know, the yeah. other people, other other people actually can go home and and not beat up and have food in the cabinet. This is yep. real.
0: Yeah. I don't <laughs> don't have to go and steal. That yeah. Happened to us too. We had at one point in time. We had no more food. We had to go and steal. Yeah, because there is no food. There is nothing. And so There's nothing. So what are nothing. you going to do?
2: Yeah.
0: And and that's what people don't understand. You know, it's not like, um, and I, I understand when you know some people go to some stores because they are desperate. They have nothing to eat. Yeah. They they they're working. They do their best on everything. But when you got nothing to eat, it's like when we lost everything. Um, uh, my mom was able to secure uh, an apartment, and one of my sister and I was staying in there. Yeah. The other one was in a different town, miles and miles away. So she she never got exposed to what we went through. And uh, at one point of time, we'll look at and my mom said, well, I can only pay the bill. I'm like, okay, well, sorry for a month. We went and uh, not proud to do it, but we had to steal to get some food. Yeah. And we had to do what we had to do. It wasn't for the luxury to go to a store and say, oh, today I'm going to steal some food. No, it was yeah. because we needed it.
1: We needed it. You know, my mom was a is a very moral and good person who, and, and I go and I don't mean this as as any type of judgment or indignation to anybody, oh no anyone else's mother. My mother worked every single day of her life to survive and take care of us and put
2: food on the yep. plate.
1: You know, if, if, if in terms of horrible circumstances, but there were other needs <clears throat> that we didn't have met. You know, we'd see kids walking around with nice clothes, or maybe kids had something. something. Some, something that you didn't have. Yep. And, and at that time, you'd. Lo- I remember one time looking at my mom and we were arguing about something that I asked her to buy for me.
2: Yeah,
1: And she said, Scotty, I cannot buy that for you. I don't have the money. And then I, and I remember looking at her and saying, well, if you were a better mother, you would.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I understand. <clears throat> that was the reflex. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And my mom, I remember, started crying. Yeah.
0: This
1: is 1986. And my mother's name is Donna. And Donna was woke. And Donna, I remember Donna looking at me saying, Scotty, you are a white educated male.
2: Yeah, you
1: will make more money in your lifetime than I ever will. So you go get it for yourself. Yeah. And at the time I thought, oh my God, she is just the, you know, the Wow. The
0: worst <laughs> woman ever,
1: the, <laughs> the worst mom ever. And now I look back on that and I'm still very close to my mother and it and and helped to take care of my mother to this day. But yep. I look back on that moment and she was absolutely right
0: oh uh, we you know it's interesting we're sharing stories right now very very interesting actually because I would never thought we would be sharing this but um I have two sisters and we are we're one year apart each one of us I'm the youngest one problem is is my mom because again like I said we were poor so that's mean we only had secondhand clothes uh that was given to us and she would go to um it's similar to a thrill shop but it wasn't a shop it was kind of a a place where they would go into like maybe a church or a room and they will give uh, clothes like that or you pay it at a lower price. And my mom, like your mom, my mom worked 70 to 80 hours a week. She had two jobs. Uh, So she was like working and there were no tomorrow. And uh, because my two sisters are about the same height and size, that was fine. Because she was able to pass it on to the older ones, to the middle one. Uh-huh. But me, oh, that was okay at the beginning. But I went and and I'm way taller than they are. So she could not pass it on their clothes to me at the end. But mm-hmm. we were, we never had brand new clothes or anything like that at the beginning at all. And yes, it was kind of embarrassing once a while when you were a kid and see others having nice clothes and you don't. Yeah. It's 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 kind of a little stigma, but you know what? You can feel embarrassed. You you know they we had no money. Uh we were um when we had that house, we were they were growing a garden in the back, uh which gave us uh enough food than we needed, uh yeah. grow up rabbits and stuff like that. But we learned and my mom did that for us. Um and now in Europe you cannot make the kids work when they're underage or under 14. Yeah. She would make us go to farms and work in farms uh, and stuff like that, yeah. uh, and did even thing. manufacturing.
1: Yeah, did the same thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Worked,
1: worked on a farm. Yep. Yeah. Started started working in a field at ten years of age.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly about eleven, you know, and you know, 12, something like that. But we were working and do what we could uh, to you know to get some money. Doesn't mean they were paying us properly either. But- <laughs> <laughs> what we have to do but that was one way that you know we had to survive so this is where it's so nice to know and hear that what you're doing with your nonprofit, what you're doing with the St. Paul School is not only impacting you know changing the life of the the children but connecting with them because I have a feeling when they are approaching you and that's probably why um, they call you uncle is they can feel as well that you are not born with a silver spoon in your mouth.
1: No, it's true. There's, when you're working with, and, and I say this to anybody out there who's listening, who might be uh, an inner city educator or a youth worker who is, mm-hmm. who is struggling to build mm-hmm. those um, relationships. And, and especially to those that, that are, um, you know, especially to those who are white, um, there's an authenticity that needs to happen. Yes. You, you can't. You can't just walk out the front door and say, "Hey, I'm a Jay Z fan. Guess guess what I heard Jay Z or, mm-hmm. or Kanye or Cardi B do last night." Or or you come in and you you walk like you're down with the hood.
0: Yeah. No. They,
1: they understand that. They 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 find they they smell it. They sniff out mm-hmm. deep, insincere and disingenuous. Yes. They smell it a mile away. Oh and, yes, you know, and it's one of the things that I do with every new student I get, they come in and they have that shield up. Yes. And I will sit down with them and say, "I want to get to know you." And they they won't say much at first. And I said, "Oh, and I'll say, "Okay, let me tell you my life story. Let me tell you where I came from and who I am."
2: Yeah.
1: And then I followed up with saying, "No one has ever denied me opportunity because of the color of my skin." but I do know what it's like to go without because you, are, you have the stigma of being poor. Exactly. And that opens up a whole world where at that point they go, whoa, nobody's ever said this to me before. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to hang with you. I got I to gotta learn more from you. I got to find out where you're coming from. How, exactly. how, did you, how did you get out of that? I need to know mm-hmm. how you got out of that. And I, and, and I can see that you can help me get out of it too.
0: And that's the goal. It's the goal is to get them the tools, empowering them, show them, mentoring them, so they don't go to they break the cycle. They're moving to where they're supposed to be. And yes. I didn't have that when I was younger. And the worst part where I was, because to make oh, it I, even, I worse, wish I had
1: me when I was younger. <laughs> me too.
0: At I some wish level, I was kind of walking
1: around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wish I had me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know what i was the worst part on our side too to make it even worse educational wise so here it was at least a bit better than in europe they would know what your parents were doing so when it comes down to the going to a higher education if you're a white collar poor they will yeah. not give you access to universities unless you were a freaking genius
2: yeah
0: they will not give you the application purposely. They decided, and they wanted to decide where you belong, which to me was appalling. Yeah. So they will, so like my mother was cleaning up houses. Yeah. And my dad, uh, well, he did several things. So we're going to take the first one he did, which was um, building, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Houses and um, uh, what do you call it uh, buildings as well Well, as well building offices so he was that so consider a white uh, blue colors not white but blue colors so basically we were already have the handicap right there because they decided well if she clean up house and he doing this they can do the same that's what they're going to be doing even though they did not check the IQ they did not care about it that's what they wanted us to do And the education wasn't there. We never were given opportunity to just say hey here's um, an application to go to the university. Yeah. None. 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 You are on your own. You're on your own. So that makes that makes it more as a big handicap because possibilities were restricted and you had to figure it out how to get out of this and that situation which is not fair.
1: No, it's not.
0: Mm-mm. So knowing that you're working with a great school and you're encouraging children and you show them uh, to show up on time to really be dedicated and accountable. It's amazing. And doing it with music, which is even better because I know music is one way to lift up your energy because I do use music. it's It's wonderful. I think it's really show them that they can dream big that yes you know the sky is the limit
1: absolutely it is you know it's you know it's interesting because it it, you know another story with that is is being able to imagine more for them helps Mm -hmm. them imagine more for themselves i was at a um a um community meeting a few weeks ago talking where there was a number of community leaders there talking about um you know, ending the gap of homelessness and employment for, for young people, especially Mm -hmm. low income young people, underserved young people. And they were talking about what we really want to invest in is we want to, we want to, uh, you know, inspire and drive these young people towards the trades, construction jobs, uh, electrician jobs. Okay. And I look at that and that's great. Those jobs are great and they pay well, but I'm sitting here coming from a recording arts high school And Mm -hmm. I remember standing up in the room saying, yeah, all of those things are great and they're needed and they're good jobs. But what what if you're a creative? Yes. Are you telling this creative that you're not going to invest in who they are or supply job training unless you specifically say you're Black, you're underserved, you're Black, you're low income, the state thinks that the best thing for you is to be a plumber. And this kid wants to work in a film studio.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I told the people in the room that, and I said, you need to check your bias on this because, you know, the, the biggest occupation growth in the United States right now, the fastest growing job sector. Is communications, trades, audio engineering, podcasting, Mm script writing, intellectual property management. And the room kind of looked to me kind of strange. And and I said, what did y'all do (laughs) during the pandemic? What did y'all do during the pandemic? Yep. you listen to podcasts, you, mm-hmm. you streamed Netflix, you streamed Amazon. I said, now that we're out, of, you know, now not, we're not out of the pandemic, but you know, we we're out moving about and milling about with one another again. You'll probably go to a concert or a live event this summer. Who do you yeah. think makes that happen? Exactly. And these jobs are readily available to these young creatives and they mm-hmm. want them and they pay well. So exactly. So to tell a young person, I'm not I'm not going to give you any type of you know any type of job training support or internship support for you to learn how to be a podcaster or an audio engineer or work for a television studio because the state says that the best thing for a young black male is to be a carpenter. I'm sorry that's racism. it just is
0: well, I cannot call it racism because I experienced that yeah. um so. It's I will English. call it segregation at this point. It's more segregation in my yeah. book because they're it's more segregation because they're looking at your income. Yep. And they put you in a category. This is what really made me angry. Many, many years they're, later. Yes, right.
1: They're categorizing. It's they're categorizing,
0: categorizing basically. If you are not in a bracket like we did, my parents were poor. We were not rich. Guess what? You're not going to have access to universities. You're not going to have higher education because we say so. And I'm like, wow. What did I do to you? Because my parents are poor, so I cannot have access to this. But yeah. that's not fair. So okay. you're telling me somebody who's maybe not as small as it is, but their parents are white collar, making tons of money. They have okay. access to everything. I even have an interesting story to share on this one. And that's a true story. I have a passion for um, jewelry, a uh, stone, raw okay. stone. And one of my, I was talking to somebody actually yesterday about that too, again and I put it on some of my past podcasts when I talked about that too, is I have a passion for stone. I, maybe in a past life, was a stone cutter. I love stone, precious stone. And I have a fascination because you need to be extremely good in mathematics and looking at how when you get a raw stone, if you cut it wrong, you will shatter into 10,000 pieces, it's gone. But I always wanted to learn to do this because for me it's a passion i love it so when i was over in europe we had to pass uh there was a little like uh, uh, test to pass to go to that school to become juror okay and the, the seats were limited about i think 15 to 20 seats that was it and so i applied to to go and pass the test like everybody else's Well, I did, I passed the test when, you know, got the result, the result, I got rejected. I'm like, okay, that was disappointed. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Well, I was still in the same school that the jewelry was actually. And I learned from a teacher who told me up to my face and I was like, what the heck? There was a girl where daddy and mommy had a jewelry store. She went and passed the test, but flunked the test actually, they gave my seat because my parents were not jewelers to her.
2: Yeah.
0: How fair is that? Well, I am here today. So there is a reason I failed. <laughs> they did not give it to me, which is okay. But you okay. think, about, think about the children who have capability to do something and be segregated because guess what? Your parents are not this, their parents are not that. So guess what, because you're below the the average uh income then yeah. automatically we're gonna put you in a segregated area like we were when we grow up and just we're not gonna give you a chance you're just gonna tell you what we're gonna tell you you are gonna go and that's it yeah.
1: that's
0: not fair for no, anyone and this happened over t- oh, 30 plus years ago all right now we're in 2022 and it's appalling to hear the same thing happening, still happening here. That's not fair for the child.
1: No, it's not. And
0: it's we not. need to stop this. That segregation need to stop the bias about, because people are poor. My, my father came from Italy. He did not win to school where uh, in Europe, he did not because he was a child, uh, both of them are child of uh, war, World War II. Sure. However, he was, extre- he was brilliant. He was a freaking genius, actually. Super smart. Uh, I read a lot of books. So is my mom. So is my mom. But they never did higher school. And, but they were brilliant people. Very smart people. My dad went and uh, I remember he passed the contest because he wanted to switch industries. One day he decided today I'm going to get my own business. I'm like, holy crap. And uh, he went and he had a guy who has an MBA and he was able to beat the guy who he had no education, study, pass on the top of that guy. And it was math, it was other things and he had to pass a bunch of stuff that was extremely difficult because we had to be quiet. Otherwise he was ready to beat the crap out of us if we were making noise. But he passed the test and was the highest scored one with no education. So for me, it's like, why would you cut the wings of a child who has limitless possibilities, who's learning something that is going to be living with his passion, especially if it's music, especially if it's concert, going to do something that's going to be fantastic and live a full life and inspire others. Why should we keep them, their head under the water? Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. They already had enough of the challenges, the life they're living in. I was, good Lord. It's like, I said, Cause it and Cause it and the miserable next to it. It's a walk in a freaking park. Don't put more challenges on the front of those kids, especially like you're helping them, you're guiding them, you, you give them what they need as a tool. Yes. You're teaching them accountability. You're teaching them everything they should learn. But they never did from their parents because of circumstances. You're turning those kids around to have a better future. Don't cut their wings. Yes, I'm passionate about it. Sorry, people.
1: <laughs> I, I and I appreciate the, the passion about it. I understand it because it's true. It's it's it, again. It's not what they we want them to become. No. It's, who they can discover who they want to be, yes, and, and giving them the support to do that.
0: Exactly. And they are not all animals. We're not all animals, even if we we're angry, because we were angry too at when we were up. Oh my god, we were angry like they were not tomorrow, too, because we were feeling the, the pain. We never understood why we could not go on vacation. We never understood why we never had brand new clothes. We never understood all of that. We we knew we had no money. Yeah. But it's like. Okay, and what are we going to do about it? Nothing, because this was from our parents. This was their course. Yeah. So how many children so far have you impacted? I'm curious to know. And um, and which one have, which is the best story for you to talk about? And just said, you know, this is one of the best of all of that I have story that I was able to help a child that now is on a path of so much success and happiness. I'm sure they all are, but <laughs> do you have one that comes out um, that's, you know, jump out right now, if you have one. Yeah, you have multiple, I, I want to hear more. <laughs> you
1: know, there's, there's so many of them, and I'm actually writing a, a memoir. I'm writing a book that I'll talk about, you know, a lot of this in, in my students, and I hope to have that out within the next year and a half, two years um but in the time that I've been working with high school for recording arts Mm -hmm. I I have probably since I have probably worked with well over 200 students
0: that's amazing
1: and and have you know relationships with those students where I I know that I can go back and 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 talk to them and we are and they still consider me family I mean even even students that graduated two or three years ago which by the way you know HSRA, you know, serves about 350 students per semester. Have all been kicked out, pushed out, dropped out of other school systems.
2: Mm-hmm. A third
1: identify as homeless, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, even if they and we graduate 70 percent or more of our seniors every year. I mean, just this this year alone, it's we, amazing. Like, yeah, we graduated over 100 seniors, which those were all kids that that the other schools said, no, you'll you'll never you'll never graduate, you'll never you know anything. Yeah. Um, but i have personally been involved in the lives of over 200 students um to kind of give you an example when when the deep the deepest point of the pandemic you know right around march 2020 when it Mm -hmm. first started um i got a call from you know an email excuse me from from ramsey county workforce solutions that was funding our our paid internship programs and they and they said look we're going to shut all the intern programs down um, we're not, we're not equipped to, to deal with it. We're not equipped to pay, you know, our other employers mm-hmm. are backing out, et cetera. I said, absolutely not. I said, we, these kids need access to the economy and support mm-hmm. more than ever right now. And I said, we're, we can do this work in a virtual environment. We can, we can create mm-hmm. content in a virtual environment. We can, we, yes. can, service the media. we can do all this stuff in a virtual environment. These are, these are recording arts kids. We can do all of this and please keep them working and you know they can fill out their time sheets take a mm-hmm. photograph of it or or we, i can send them their time sheet in adobe you know adobe um acrobat yep. they can yep. fill it out and i got a i got a letter back from the the head of ramsey county workforce uh, Solutions saying we authorize hsra to continue good the internship program and i said good give me more I'll, i've got 15 right now i'll take every kid you got
0: yep and i and that- took
1: 16. i took 60.
0: That's wonderful. You know, it really showed that you have to fight. When you start to stand up for something you believe, people will pick it up very quickly and realize how much impact it has. And I'm so glad they did not shut it down. I am so glad you were able to convey the message that it was critical for those young children to continue and bring more on board from 15 to 60. Yeah. And, and, then George,
1: and then George Floyd was murdered.
0: Mm-hmm. On the top of it, Minneapolis
1: burned. Minneapolis burned.
0: Yes, it did.
1: Unfortunately. And so that was that was an intense time. And yes. uh, but you know when I think about a, a child that I've worked with, um, mm-hmm. there is um, man, there are so many, but there there's a young Native American woman um, that I work with who when I first met her, very untrusting, very unsure of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up in, in, in a situation um, that was very unstable mm-hmm. and suffering from all kinds of depression. And, mm-hmm. um, but I kept working with her. I kept getting her internships. I kept getting her jobs. I kept saying, I believe in you, I believe in Good. you. And I kept challenging her and the more she grew she began to come out of that shell. And you started to see this powerful voice and this leader emerge. Mm -hmm. But every now and then she'd get down on herself and say, I can't do it, I'm sorry, I can't show up. I I haven't been around, I'm sorry, I haven't been coming Mm -hmm. to work. And again, I never gave up on her. And she graduated this spring. Wow. And um, she has her own apartment now.
0: I'm so proud. And what's her first name?
1: Her name is TT. I,
0: I want to give a shout out to TT for such yeah. not giving up and for you.
1: And Titi. she has moved into this leadership role. She's actually an intern with something called Reconnect Rondo, which in Minnesota, we have our our, our the Rondo neighborhood, which is kind of like our own black Wall Street, where uh, during the 1960s, a thriving black neighborhood with over mm-hmm. 700 black owned homes, 300 black owned businesses. Um, the interstate system they drove it through the entire neighborhood and destroyed it yep and displaced hundreds of families it happened mm-hmm. in every city across the united states but yep. in minnesota we are specifically working on a project for a land bridge to put a land bridge over the top of interstate 94 and reclaim that land with black owned home black owned businesses etc and tt is part of a team of high school for recording arts interns who are doing a study Um, making 15 bucks an hour and a 47-week internship to decide what will go on that land bridge and how it will impact future generations.
0: That is wonderful. This is what powerful, this is what one person can do to me, all right? We are impacting people at so many levels and listening to you, I'm, I'm having goosebumps. That's why I say there's a reason I wanted to stalk you and I didn't want to <laughs> I wanted to, see, you know, when I want go on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn, I did um that series because I've been doing podcasts for the past few years, but that series to me had a lot of meanings because it's talking to people, entrepreneurs, business owners that created something and there is a meaning behind. And I love your story because the story, I, I relate to your story because uh, you're beginning of the same than mine. Um, but it's powerful what one person can do. Thank you. That will impact not one person, but not 200 person, no, two people, not 200, thousands and thousands of people because yeah. you, work with children that are going to pass it on to everybody around them you know we influence our outer conditions and the people around us so i always said whatever i do here where am i right here in the us in minnesota right now will impact a person on the other side of the world because that impact is going to be carried on to others and directly without them knowing And you have a pretty powerful impact. I love the fact that you're humble when you talk about it. Then that's why the children, I think, kind of keep you in check as well, because you're facing every time you meet a young child. Sorry, kids, I say, well, I'm not. I'm a young adult. Fine, we're gonna use it young adult at this point, not young child, because I say, well, am I say young child? Yeah, but. A young adult who has gone through trauma, you have been able to sit down with them, take down the walls. Because I remember when I was a kid, oh, freaking it, there were a couple of triple walls and nobody were able to get in. You could not even put a little poke on my walls to try to figure it out. You, however, have been able to give and break that wall and connect with them. Thank you. They gave you the respect you gave them their respect as well, but you yeah. did not broke Thank the you. respect by doing something totally idiotic quote unquote. <laughs> you know what I mean abusing abusing your power where you are you know because some people will do that yeah. but you don't. You're supporting those children, you're encouraging them that the beautiful story you just shared with this beautiful indigenous person, who has gone through trauma you have not give up on her no, and that exactly and that is amazing because those children need the support and we always say there is one word they should know I believe in you I believe in you nobody said that to children's believe nobody you. believed in me <clears throat> yeah it was a lost So i I'm like no she's crazy enough we don't know what she's gonna do that was you would have asked everything from my mom. She, well, my older sister wanted to be a chef. She's not a chef now, but she, she went to school for it. She decided the middle one should be working in pharmacy for some unknown reason because that was her dream and she decided to put it on her. And me, well, I was the last cause. So basically, I could have gone to the recycle <laughs> bin and I would have been it because we did not know what the crazy one would be doing. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was it. But they were not, the word I believe was never part of the language. Yeah. Where I grew up, he makes a huge impact. Like your grandma said, the word "I believe in you." Yes. By putting that beautiful drawing you did on the wall, yeah. she put that stamp and said, "I believe in you," without using the words, probably just by the gesture. The gesture. And that's what you're doing today with those and To me, it's an amazing journey you've got. That's why I was talking to you, because I knew there is something <laughs> we needed to talk. As I said, I know there is people like, what do you want to talk to me? I want to talk to you because there is something, there is a message. And I want people to hear your story because that story is going to inspire others.
1: Thank you. Thank it, you. You know, you're carrying on the tradition of, you know, they talk about carry it forward, carrying on the tradition of, of what my, my grandmother did for me mm-hmm. there. A couple of little girls who who live in the apartment building that i live in and um they don't have dads around Mm -hmm. and i will come home some days and i've told them oh you can just go ahead and decorate my door however you want and i will come home some days and these little girls have taped their latest drawing to my front door Mm -hmm. and a few minutes later i'll get a knock at the door and i'll look out and and there one of them stands and i'll talk to them about their artwork and say it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and I believe in you and and I, I remember one time we were having we were having some some uh, a small community party community gathering here in in our building and I told the two little girls well you know there's gonna be a lot of people here tonight why don't you set up a table and sell your artwork
2: exactly
1: and those little girls sat there and sold their artwork all night they really cleaned up man exactly <laughs> they up, you know so, but, but you, you know what it's one of those things I know they need it, so I do it. You know
0: exactly. I need the inspiration and the beliefs because they need somebody to support you, and that's what it's hard because when you grow up in such a harsh environment, or you have a parents that is not present in their lives, and the other parents is always working, trying yeah. their best. If you don't have somebody to encourage you, to look at you and just said, "I believe in you. You got it." Yeah, that makes a huge difference. A that's huge. an inspiration. And the hardest part for you as well is when you meet those kids at school, they're already deep in in the pain. They're already deep in a flyer fight mode. Yeah, they are. So you have to remove, you have to recondition them, quote unquote, to realize, hey, it's not you. It's the circumstances, the outer condition you're in are not yours. And this is very hard to um to show a child a, a young adult it's not your fault yeah no, it's you're just what, what i want to say is i will never use the word victim because this is not the case
2: no.
0: but you are just part of it you, you are here and have to deal with the circumstances of what was set in motion yes and it's It takes courage to do what you're doing. It takes patience. It takes love and dedication. And really, I'm sure there is probably some of those young um, um, kids, teenagers, where he probably said, oh, my God, I'm being challenged this time. How I'm going to get through to you or her, him or her, to get the message.
1: Yeah. There have been many times when I've looked at a young person and said, I love you no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm. just
1: don't make me come visit you in the penitentiary on
0: christmas day exactly exactly what has been the most challenging part of what you're doing
1: i think the most challenging part of what i'm doing is um is sometimes you know um you know people people look at someone like myself, allies, sometimes so social rights, social activist allies, sometimes have a tendency to make it all about themselves.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. And,
1: you know, and I think the biggest challenge is, is, is always building the trust mm-hmm. that uh, this isn't about me. I'm, I actually care about your community. I care about these mm-hmm. children. Yes. You know, that's the biggest challenge of getting past that idea that, well, here you come, you're just some culture vulture. Um, you're just some white ally who's going to turn around and make it all about you and that's that's the hardest thing to overcome The other thing that that, it, that is difficult to overcome is to get people to listen and understand what the needs of these young people are and and mm-hmm. often I'll be effective at you know if we need to do a food drive for them. Mm-hmm you know, I, I will use my organization, you know, to rock the cause to, to do a food drive for them and collect, you know, food, other stuff. Um, but it's, you, you can really tell the incredible stories of these kids and maybe you'll see one or two likes on a Facebook post or an Instagram post. But then if you, post something that's just like a picture of a cat, you'll get 150 likes. And and to me, it's like, it's it's indicative of people just kind of tuning out and not wanting to have to face the fact that um, there is real hardship in the world. People people these days, especially, I always hear people say, oh, the world is so uncertain right now. Well, guess what? The world's always been uncertain. Yep. It's, it's just the veil is lifted back. And, exactly. And being forced to look at it. And you can either look at it and move forward, or you can stay in la la land and deny it.
0: But that, what I love is the fact that you started something that's changed the life of the of young um, people who, again, it's a question of segregation. I'm going to use the word segregation because that's what it is. I it's am too
1: from now on, too. It is
0: segregation, I, it's I, not I, racism I, 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 because. I know you know per my experience oh there were some racism on us because we got an italian name so it did not help either but (laughs) (laughs) but in general they did not care it was segregating is the human income below or above oh you're below so we're going to segregate you and you're just going to stay low as we wish and to me that segregation needs to stop because it can be any you know color skin it doesn't matter of the color skin it doesn't matter It's where you're born and how much your parents have on their banking account.
1: That's all. You're absolutely right. And you know, you have taught me something here today, too. And I'm going to start using that and looking at it more as, you know, especially from my story where I grew up and understand what this isn't about this. This is about segregating and including people. Because everybody who does not have access to the economy, everybody who doesn't have rights, everybody who doesn't have equal playing ground, they are segregated, and they yes. are all fighting the same battle.
0: Exactly. We need to stop, and I'm going to say that up and loud, and the people are going to like me. I don't care.
1: No,
2: we need right. to
0: stop to use the color of the skin of anyone, because it's not the skin or the color of the skin. It's how much do you go above the threshold of middle class, or are you considered basically poor, lower class? If you're lower class, Most people, unless you're a genius, they will not give you access. So the segregation needs to stop. And instead of looking at where you're born, who are your parents, look at the child. We were not given a chance to go to university because they didn't want to give it to us. Why? Simply because my parents were not white-collar. And it's appalling, as I said, and it was 30-plus years ago. That changed in Europe because now they even, poor children can go to university. The difference between over Europe and here, unless you go to private universities, public universities, you only pay like, what? Not even a thousand dollars for the tuition and that's it. The rest is free. Here, you gotta pay thousands, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars for education, which to me is like, seriously? But that's the way it's running here. So I'm not gonna go there, but now, over there, it doesn't matter what your parents are doing or whatever, you have the capability for every children to be able to go to the university. Here, it's appalling to see they still segregated. Oh, you're in a poor area. Oh, you're living where? No, that's part of the area, then we don't give opportunities. And that is not fair because children are so creative. Yeah. I talked to um, someone, I, uh, to a coach. His name is uh, Ross Swan, and he's over in Singapore. And I say that on other uh, my podcasts as well. We should be teaching at school, any school, leadership, that should be part of it, to children starting at the age of three or four. Yeah. Because I can guarantee we will have more entrepreneurs who will be in their teens creating a better world and work together. Yes. Creativity, children are creative. You were poor and a creative person, doesn't matter the color of your skin. I have known people of different colors, different background, ethnicity, who are creative people. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. And to me, colors doesn't mean anything in my book. I know I'm gonna piss off people, I don't care. (laughs) Because it's not about the outer shell, it's who you are inside.
1: It's who you are inside your, yes. and, and how you and your circumstances that you didn't ask for yeah. segregated you and kept you from opportunity. Yes. And that and that's I think that's the thing that that people when you really get faced with anger, mm-hmm. it's, it's one, you know, I have been segregated. I have been looked upon as less than. Yes. I have been told that this is only this is available to me.
0: And it's not racism. Because people put the label of racism, and I'm not calling you on that, but most mm-hmm. people said, "Well, if I don't get this, you're a racist." No, 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 no. Segregation. You're being labeled below. It has nothing to do with the color of the skin. It has to do with I'm segregating you because you don't need to have access to this because we decided you weren't bright enough. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. No, yeah. or you will go to trade school because you know we need people. Okay, yeah, that's
1: what we need over here.
0: Forget
1: that you might forget the fact that you might have the next cure of cancer you might be the next person yeah but but we need you over here working as a plumber exactly that's where we want you to be
0: exactly not not okay no it's not it's not and those kids are so creative and you give them opportunities to learn actually something not only this but as you're teaching them they're starting to figure it out oh well i don't like to do these things to record videos However, I would like to write scripts. I would like to do maybe some music recording, becoming a producer. So it gives them the range to learn in the same time. What am I good at? And you know what? When they figure out what they're good at, within this world of music and entertainment and whatever it is, they're going to excel. They're going to supersede this. And they may be going to be able to, uh, and I would not be surprised And some of those um, young children you work with young uh um, teenager, I had to stop to say children because I gotta say, hey, man, you're not two years old. <laughs>
1: we are- I'm 54 years old. Anybody under the age of 40 to me as a kid.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm 53, is the same way. I don't know why. I'm like, yeah, you're kids. And like, you can what. I'm like, I could be your mother or your grandmother. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like giving them the opportunity to excel and learn who they are, what they can do and cannot without somebody. Tapping on their shoulder and said, You know what? That's nah, not that good. Let them explore and they will figure it out. That's what gives them the opportunity to open up with their creativity, to give them, I believe, um, being more secure, being more grounded, authentic, and know themselves. Yes. Yes, it, absolutely. It, I'm sure from the beginning, then you meet uh, a young um, uh, teenager to. I don't know, a full year, I'm sure you see the transformation from somebody totally close to the world to yeah. somebody who is not that person, but truly who they are.
1: No, it's true. It's it's an amazing moment when you see it happen because you'll see the young person come in and maybe they've been to five, six, seven, sometimes even 10 different high schools. They, mm-hmm. They've over the place there's no stability Mm -hmm. come in and and we have a a program at at high school for recording arts it's it's our uh what we call aztec program and um we we name it aztecs after alpha we changed it to aztec because that that seemed to resonate more with our students Mm -hmm. Um, but they go into that program and they begin learning just life skills and social skills and we we begin helping them to help to re to help restructure the way their their lives are situated so that they can learn and there'll be all sorts of behavior problems that come with it and you'll know, you'll have this moment you're like oh man I really hope this kid makes it I hope that they can pull through this I hope that they can break through the darkness and you're you're constantly you know reassuring you're you're, mm-hmm. you're talking to them about you know and I say this a lot I'll say hey just when you're ready to have your breakout moment the darkness is going to reach up and grab you yes. and you, you cannot let it take you and then you'll see them wor- work through the trauma and work through the mm-hmm. process. And then they'll start coming to school on a more of a regular basis because yeah. they feel safe there. And then one on one day you see it, the light bulb just comes on and here's this beautiful,
2: mm-hmm. thoughtful,
1: brilliant, tra- transformed into a lifelong learner and community person, community leader and once a vocation and a career and boom, the light bulb comes on and there they are. Yes. It's amazing you know, to see. It's
0: amazing, isn't it? It's like is that they're like um it's like being in a chrysalis. This is exactly what it did. Before they become the butterfly, they have yes. they are inside yes. and they have to break that shell. You cannot do it for them because the more oh. you try, the more they're gonna go back in. But you have to let them work through because this is their journey. How to mm-hmm. break free, how to finally stop that generation of repeat a repetition that happened over and over they're breaking the cycle actually which is amazing because a lot of people when you go through trauma and i said it went from being poor to everything else so are my parents breaking the cycle and said nope no we're stopping this that line that ancestral line stop right here no more that's what those kids are doing this is what you're doing for them you are helping them to break that cycle, to say, stop, no more. Now I'm studying fresh. That's mean the next generation will not have to deal with what I've gone through.
1: Absolutely, and you know what's amazing is to watch the students who um, have been at HSRA maybe a couple of years longer, Mm -hmm. and they'll see the younger student coming in or they'll see the new student coming in who is struggling. And it's beautiful to watch the other students come in mm-hmm. and kind of form a pack around them exactly get through it and there's this pack mentality that happens yes that, I was once you I know exactly what you're exactly. going exactly and you come to the you you head to the center of the pack and we got you we're that's gonna... called
0: cool. I call it the circle of light you yes. call it the pack it's the circle, <laughs> it's of a, light.
1: It's a circle of light yes
0: yes it is a oh. circle of light this is where you can lean on them because it's a safe place. Yes. You create your own circle of life. People yeah. should have, I don't care if you have one person or two person or 10, you have a circle of life. The people will come in your life and help you. They're not going to judge you. They're going to listen to you. They're going to ground you. They're going to call you on your own, quote unquote, yes. shit. They will. They will. They will be honest with you. They have no heal intention the only intention they have is the love the pure and conditional love for you to heal and succeed if you fail they will be there to help you to get up they will give you the encouragement but you will have to do the work but they will be by your side this is what you know it's amazing what you have done that's the reason i wanted to talk to you. you it's amazing and I wish and I know this is going to be played around the world so I'm very humbled to have you today because this is what one person can do
1: well thank you for seeing and hearing me and thank you for giving me this space
0: oh I'm more than happy to do that but I would like to invite you to another session with me as well because I want to talk more about the projects what other projects do you have running right now because you talk about the book which is going to take a year and a half So we're going to have a wait for a year and a half. Sorry, guys, Um, what do you have going on and how can we help you with your organization?
1: You know, um, we've got so many different projects that are happening right now. Um, You know, one, we're constantly working on new music with my record label. So we have a number of new artists that we are um, bringing on board. Um, I'm doing um, a lot more with Afrocentric artists um, you know, and, and we realized, you know, the organ, the record label is called rock because, rock because records, mm-hmm. but we're going to create a, um, an imprint, an imprint, it doesn't mean a different record label or a different corporate entity, but an imprint of rock because called Afro world records and, and really start working, um, you know, with artists on the continent of Africa, mm-hmm. and artists who are really playing music that is more influenced by the diaspora of um indigenous cultures around the world beautiful um, so afro world records you know i love mm-hmm. i love Peter gabriel as an artist i i love what he did with real world records
2: yep
1: and i and i want to create something you know with that so we've got you know a number of artists that we're working with we you know i'm doing p i do pr for the grammy award-winning sounds of blackness they're an artist that i do pr for oh
0: yes i know i love those guys they're awesome they're phenomenal
1: yeah they're phenomenal so we just wrapped up helping them with their new single june mm-hmm. team and still a lot of work to do on that. And then we're moving into um, the NFT w- metaverse. We're working with a okay. kind of FIMI Marketplace, which is, yeah. which is a Jamaican word that means for me. Uh-huh. And um, we are helping artists like the Sounds of Blackness and the High School for Recording Arts students, you know, launch NFTs in the metaverse. FIMI is a really cool um, NFT site because it's 100% dedicated um, to serving women and people of color to help them come into the metaverse wonderful Um, it's really super cool and then um you know rock because right now is the facilitator we are the teaching facilitators we have um two licensed teachers
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: that work with us to help facilitate the interns on the reconnect rondo project
2: okay
1: um we're working on that and uh i'm writing a book um I mean, there's always so much stuff going on. I mean, that, that you can really follow. If you want to know what we're up to, you can follow. Yes. Our, <laughs> you can follow us on social media at irockthecause, at irockthecause. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram will always tell the story. Mm-hmm. And our website, irockthecause.org, our website, irockthecause.org, um, always has updates of what we're working on music wise, et cetera. We've got a whole music store out there. You know, just one of the best ways you can support us is just by downloading, playing, and streaming the music. Yep. You know? So
0: if people want to connect with you directly, how they can connect with you via your social media? Social
1: or? media, or they, they can contact me at rockstar at irockbecaus.org. Rockstar at irockbecaus.org. Okay. Yeah, that, they can contact me. yeah. And, you know, and you know, if you're interested in supporting the Vocational Discovery Programme, uh, we're always looking for uh, employers that are that are looking for young people with incredible skill sets so they can work in a, in a virtual environment. Those programs always need funding. So you can contact me at rockstar at also to discuss any funding that you might want to to be a part of with those programs.
0: Fabulous. So you can hear us today. It would be nice to support and I'm, I'm 100% behind you and I'm sure people will be. Uh, please support this absolutely wonderful cause. As you can hear, it's an amazing transformation for the uh, young uh, uh, adult. We're gonna call them a young adult. I was ready to say young child, but it's young adult. <laughs> That's <laughs> be correct before somebody slapping my in my fingers said, Emma, come on. But uh, no, but to support your cause because I think this is one of the most uh, empowering stories I've heard. Um, and it's so beautiful, so mm-hmm. I want to do another episode with you in a couple of sure. months, see how you're doing, how what's going on with you, and talk more about what you're doing because seriously. I love it. There was a reason I stalked to you and I was like, no, I want to talk to you. And it's like, no, I'm probably not. What do you want from me? Oh, well, I'm going to do a podcast. Come on. Come on board.
1: <laughs> and, you know, next time, maybe we can include some of the voices of the young people I work with. And by the you way, you know
0: what? it would be awesome if we could do that.
1: And we could have the young people here and they can tell you about the things they're working on because you can hear it from me. But I think it's better to hear it from them. And the other thing is, if people out there are interested in high school for recording arts, you can learn more about their work at hsra.org. Again, that's hsra.org.
0: I would love that because it could inspire the to do exactly this and what you're doing somewhere else. Yeah, and that would be awesome if you could do that. And yes, that's a great idea. Uh, why don't we schedule something behind the scene? And have uh, some of those young kids—sorry to say the word—young kids—and have them talking. And you know they're going to be interviewed by Emma. We're going to have a conversation, and (laughs) it's going to be awesome.
1: It'll be awesome, yeah. No, I think I think the the listeners out there would enjoy actually hearing the stories from the young people themselves because they have they have been through an incredible journey.
0: Exactly. We we have we have shared our journey, but I'm sure that theirs ours not are even more inspiring and for anyone who's listening around the world they're going to be inspired by their journeys as well that's what to what that's what the reason i'm doing this it's one of the main reason is to be able to share stories and people can relate and realize that hey if that happened to them they were able to overcome they kept that inspiration they light up the fire within themselves and being able to do that as well and transform their lives so that's awesome i am so humbled i've spoken to you scott i'm so happy i'm like yes it's so. such
1: honor to be here. I'm glad you asked. I, I love telling this story. And the more people we can tell the story to, it's it's even more meaningful.
0: Oh, trust me. It's going to be t- told everywhere. So <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this is the goal. So thank you so much for joining me today. Have a great day.
1: You too, Emma. Thank you so much.
0: Bye. Bye. Time for one person to another. All right. So let me put this one back down. I will cut the beginning here because people don't need to hear that. The rest will stay in, unless we need to cut it for some unknown reason. Sure. Okay. We are ready to go. Are you ready? Sure. Fabulous. Hello, and welcome to MS Podcast. In today's podcast, I have somebody who intrigued me. Actually, I kind of stalked him on LinkedIn. <laughs> I must say. <laughs> it's my fault. Uh, yes, you get a groupie, and he's going to say, well, I'm going to block you right now. I'm not going to do the conversation with you, but... I was interested because uh, this is Scott Herald, and he runs a nonprofit uh, called The Rock the Cause and Rock the Cause Records. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to go back first before we talk about uh, your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So you were a director of sales for LifeWorks service. Then you moved in, moved on to Clear Channel, where you, hair uh, host cause Rock, hosted by Rock the Cause on CDS 97. Then, in your journey, continued to go and become a CEO and owner of Hysteria Media. I like the name, actually. <laughs> that would be more along my line. See, this is why I was stalking you. I'm admitting it right now. <laughs> And then you became the CEO and founder of Rock the Cause, which is a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and um, I see director of business of music and vocational discovery high school for recording arts, as well. Yeah. So, hi, Scott. How are you doing today?
1: Hello. <laughs> good to good to speak with you.
0: So you got it, You have a very interesting path. To be honest I, with you it's it's an amazing path you've got. An orthodox I will say.
1: Yeah, I don't have the normal trajectory and I hear people tell me all the time, "Wow." When they when they hear the breadth of everything I do, they go, "Wow." I mean, and and I'm and I mean that in the most humble of terms. I'm a pretty humble guy, but most people look at me and say, "Wow, that is that is not the average trajectory that most people would take." I mean, I've got yeah, there's a, there's many Many different paths that all kind of tie, tie back to the same suit.
0: Oh, absolutely. So I want to start at the beginning because um, it's amazing to see that uh, you the way you started was to be the director of sales from LifeWorks, then on her host. So I'm curious to know when you were working for Life Work Services, which is a nonprofit as well. So, so you started in nonprofit organization, am I correct?
1: I started in the corporate world. I okay. Was a, you know my LinkedIn uh, should show this, but that's okay. It's I I went to school for theater, and um, you know I grew, up, I grew up in Southeast Nebraska, um, outside of Omaha, and my mom. Raised three boys on nine thousand dollars a year, and my father left when I was thirteen. He was he was not someone that was present. Okay. So we well, we grew up in really intense, severe poverty, and I, I put myself through college. Wanted to be in theater. Wanted to be that you know back in the eighties we called it the you know the the brat pack you know with Molly Ringwald and you know, you know all the all the people were doing movies like Pretty and Pink et cetera. I wanted mm-hmm. to be kids, but then I got into furniture sales because I needed a job.
0: And I yes. started working
1: for a company that made custom built leather furniture. I was 25 years old, I needed work. I was out of college. I really wasn't doing anything. I was just kind of laying around my apartment all day long, uh, listening to Donovan records and 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 reading obscure romantic poetry. And it's like, I gotta get a job, I gotta work. So I got a job working in furniture um, because my theater background gave me sales experience. And you know, from there, I parlayed that into uh, going to work as the Senior Vice President of Sales and Executive Vice President of Sales for different companies that service merchandising and merchandising placement in some of the world's biggest consumer brand, brands like Target, Super Value, 3M, you, you name a major mm-hmm. major retailer or a major consumer brand. I've probably had a marketing and merchandising team on it at one point. Then I decided one day I woke up and I said, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm in the corporate world. Yep. I'm in mid thirties. I climbed up from, you know, abject poverty to being in my mid thirties, making a hundred thousand dollars a year in sales.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, this isn't me. This is not who I am. I, I am someone who comes from humble means. I have a heart and a soul. I don't like laying people off. I, I yeah. don't like the aspect of making all this money that only, that only benefits angel investors and consortium. Yep. Etc. I, I don't like this, so I started a nonprofit called Rock the Cause, and at that time it was really something that was an idea. I'm a musician; I play in bands as well. And I said, "Well, let's let's throw this interesting nonprofit together that will throw concerts and engage young people, get young people into giving." You know, at that time in the in the mid 2000s, a lot of um, nonprofits were experiencing a loss in stewardship because the population. Yep. Aging, etc it's still it's still a chronic problem so originally it was supposed to just start out as um you know a nonprofit that through mm-hmm. concert and the door you know young bands would play in the door would go to various causes etc and then one day i got a call from uh, a friend of mine here in the twin cities we're based out of the twin cities and um, he said i think rock the cause needs its own record label and i've got a charitable CD. He, he also, my friend uh, Mike Besser also owned a record label called Grain Belt Records. Because okay. I a charitable CD that's come across my desk. I can't do anything with it. I think Rock the Cause needs its own record label. And I'm like, well, I, I have no experience doing that. Mm-hmm. He, goes, he goes, you'll <laughs> learn. And he got on the phone with The Orchard, which um, is the largest digital distribution service in the world for music. They are a division of Sony Records and Sony Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And we got a, a distribution deal and we started releasing music for charitable causes and we've had five number one hits. Um, our music we've sold uh, half a million charitable downloads. We've sold 50,000 physical and digital records. We've been streamed tens of millions of times. We've impacted, you know, tens of millions of people around the world through music and videos, et cetera. We've served over 50 different causes and, um, it's been, it's been incredible. And from there, you know, based on that experience, I Junior Achievement one day called me up on the phone and said, hey, Scott, you know, we, we've got this school in St. Paul that, that serves underserved populations of youth. Mm-hmm. Many of them are homeless, many of them are dropouts, they're kicked out, pushed out. Um, there's gang related activity, et cetera. It's, it's, it's a, a tough situation with these kids. And yep. they don't understand the idea of corporate giving or yep. nonprofit giving. It's, not, it's, it's foreign to them. It's not their world. Can you go and teach them? Mm-hmm. That was high school for recording arts in St. Paul. And I fell in love with the school. And then the school said to me, you know, we need somebody in here that really knows how to teach the young people about the business side yes. of the communications industry. And would you be willing to spend some time here at the school as paid staff to help do this? So I can currently still run Rock the Cause Records in addition to um, teaching at the High School for Recording Arts and leading the educational discovery program. Um, I have at any given moment, anywhere from 15 to 30 paid interns who are 16 to 18 years of age, making 15 bucks an hour who are creating content, nice records, servicing media to the press, securing airplay for artists, um, on my record label and, you know, my record label, you know, last year I, we had a project with Bonnie Rape, the Indigo Girls and, and, uh, several indigenous women called no more pipeline blues. Mm-hmm money to stop a uh, pipeline three here in minnesota and my students were hand working that to the media making 15 bucks an hour and um i won the uh here in, in minnesota we have uh ramsey county
2: mm-hmm.
1: largest and most diverse county and this year i was awarded the vic verne award by ramsey county which is their highest social services award that they give to people who go above and beyond to show dedication to young people um and uh, in terms of education and providing employment opportunity
0: to them so yeah that's
1: my trajectory man very different that's
0: that that's a different one but i'm curious to know (laughs) because you mentioned at the beginning you went for the arts and theaters and things like that so what gave you the inspiration because like you said and i i can relate to because we grow up poor so yeah it's not like uh, we were born with a silver spoon. it was the reverse we got the the rusted one actually yeah. silver spoon we got a spoon at all yeah exactly <laughs> that wasn't a spoon at all we thought it was a spoon but he wasn't looking back but uh, you know what i mean it's like you're going through struggles but i'm i'm curious to know because um when you grew up where did you got the um, the the mindset uh, as a kid to think about the theater to think about all of that because you know if you take different kids from uh, who lived in, in a stage of poverty, poverty, will have their imagination and like you somehow you get attracted to it. And I'm curious to know how, because it's amazing to hear, you know, you wanted the arts, you wanted to be, art, you were, and you are artistic, but growing in such a, um, poor environment were you exposed to the arts or how did it come about for you to try to go into that direction first before you move to sales to make a living
1: you know um you know I think with with many kids who who in, 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 any any background any economic background but especially with low income kids um you learn to be creative because you have to you have to be creative to survive you yep. you create incredible things out of nothing uh-huh mm-hmm you know, and now I'm entrenched in the world of hip hop. And if we look back on the history of hip hop, we have, you know, underserved, disenfranchised, economically, um, you know, people who are don't have any economic access and they, and they yes. and out of nothing, they built this music phenomenon. So for me, it was, my creativity was tied to, I, I think there was an incident, there was an episode with my grandmother where things were really tough at home. I had, I had a very abusive father And he was very abusive to me physically and emotionally. And I remember drawing a picture one day of just a horse, a very simple horse, and showing it to my grandmother, Sadie. And I think Sadie knew that I needed a boost. I think she knew knew that I needed something to grab a hold of. And she Mm -hmm. took that picture that I drew, and she put it up on her kitchen wall. And to me, that was such a big moment because I'm like, wow, somebody actually has validated something that I'm, I've done. I'm not this stupid idiot that my dad tells me I am all the time. Somebody actually mm-hmm. sees me and hears me and sees something in me. And, you know, based on wanting her love, I proceeded to make dozens of pictures and hang them up on, on grandma's wall. And um, then I drew something that actually ended up winning um, a statewide competition in the third grade for the state of Nebraska. And I, I got a, a set of pens and, and paper because of it. And so um, I just, you know, I was one of these kids that I, I was very smart. I was talented and I was gifted, but I'm growing up in the middle of nowhere where, yep. you know, farm life can form you have to conform to what's going on. I didn't play football. I I didn't conform to that Mm -hmm. that small town mentality. And the arts were a way for me to escape. You know, there was also a lot of music in my household because if music was playing, that meant we were at peace. If there was music playing in the car or music playing on the stereo, it means dad wasn't beating me.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, it became an escape for me. And the more I dived into that escape, the more I learned about myself, and I and I began to observe others, and and I and I got very mm-hmm. keenly aware of, of of understanding the needs of others, almost on an empathic level, so to speak. Yes, so.
0: I I totally relate to what you're saying because it's about a similar trajectory yeah. on my side. So I I do relate to what you're uh, sharing as information, especially when you need to find a way to escape. But what I love is your grandma was your life's lifeline actually because she really saw the need you needed. And she did yes. And she did something that that changed the course of your life. And instead then believing to what this is the unfortunate part of it too, because children's all of all of the children's are extremely creative. But when you got an environment that is not um I will say ideal and that doesn't promote growth, creativity, nurturing, then the child, and I said that multiple times, will absorb it, will absorb and believe what somebody says. Yes. And that's the unfortunate side of it that a lot of children who have a lot to give and to create in this world, don't have that opportunity and their life their life is changing because they now believe in something that is not true and there is a small percentage of them and I'm one of them actually and I'm so grateful for my mind I'm so grateful for my spirit actually I lived I created a bubble in my head Uh and it was music came later on actually came in the 80s because I finally bought my Walkman (laughs) yeah and it was my
1: solace man if i was oh in my world,
0: god world, it think, did for me too
1: yeah, i was safe i was in my <laughs> own world man i have to talk to nobody
0: <laughs> and you was at the beginning in europe of fm because yeah. everything was am yeah and it was. i hooked myself up on uh, i had one uh, fm station who actually was picking up other uh um radio from here in the U.S. so we could listen to some of the shows which I like in English it's like what the heck are they talking about who cares but the music was there and to me the music was everything it transported yeah. me and helped me with my imagination to move forward but at the before the Walkman if people don't know and listening to us say what is that just google it all right You <laughs> will see what a Walkman is <laughs> You know, it's like, we feel like grandpa and grandma here, come on, yeah. in the old days. Yeah. But, you know, before that, it was my imagination. My refuge was my mind. Yes. So every time, because exposed to violence on both sides, it was mom and dad, it was mommy dearest and crazy yeah. dude. Uh, it was, you know, children of war. There were yeah. no limits when we were younger. There were no limits on anything. They could beat the crap out of, uh, of you in front of everybody. Nobody would move. That's yeah. That was the, the way it was. Yeah. um you know it is it was what it was it's not like um, you know gonna hey that was horrible well that's the way it was and that's it but it was for me my my saving grace was my mind because i didn't have a grandma who would put anything on the wall at all you're lucky you did yeah. but uh what is great is it did not alter who we were
2: yeah. it,
0: We we were able to continue without being influenced as much uh, from our outer condition to be where we were supposed to be or become who we were supposed to become so that was for me a great point when I grew up and I think it was the same for you yeah. and taking the decision afterward which I found it amazing because you did the arts you went to school yeah. and studied it and you were able this is why it's so good this is where you realize your creativity is theirs yeah you use what you learn at school yeah to put it into sales this is amazing yeah. It's yeah. amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It was, you know, my mother was always encouraged me to read and, and I love my mom very much. And she was always buying me books and, and build, you know, and books that were really, really, you know, above, you know, the skill set of, of an eight or nine or 10 year old. But I dive mm-hmm. in and I'd learned to, to read those books. And, you know, it wasn't that my mother wasn't protecting me. She was so beat down by my dad that she was terrified of him too. And you know, eventually she she got rid of him and got him out of the house, which was a whole other story altogether. But you know, going back to the idea of the children, it, it's something I tell the kids at the school all the time because the kids will come to me and they'll say, "Hey, Uncle Scotty," and they they all call me Uncle Scotty, which I, I I'm very proud of that. And and yeah. because you know, here I am, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white guy in 24- <laughs> yeah. America, which carries its own certain kind of stigma. Yes. That, uh, I'm able to walk into a predominantly black school, and I'm able to bridge that gap of trust that Mm -hmm. that goes beyond racism and goes beyond, you know, social injustice to where they, they consider me to be their uncle or their father and we have that that beautiful, that bond between us that says, you know what, you know, we can get along and we can love each other, but they come to me and they'll say things like, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't show up on time or I'm sorry. I didn't get this done or I'm sorry about this. And I'll stop and I'll say, stop saying you're sorry. You don't mm-hmm. have to tell me that you're sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. And I'll, and I'll follow that with, I want you to know what happened to you is not your fault. Yep. That was done to you. Mm-hmm. you have spent your whole life managing the trauma yes. that you didn't ask for and you don't know who you are beyond that trauma and exactly. what we're going to work on is we're going to work on understanding who you really are and mm-hmm. not who the trauma is telling you to be
0: Exactly, and, I and think...
1: most of those kids listen to that and they're like oh my god I've never heard this before
0: exactly and, and
1: it's that simple. It's that
0: simple. It's that simple, but nobody is telling them that except no. you. And to me, it's it's opening because it's opening the door for not healing and understanding. Yeah, we live, you know, when we are born, we're born where we are born, and we live with the actions of our parents and grandparents and the lineage. But when we are born, this is out of our hands. We are children. We are just a witness of what our Parents have set in motion. Yeah. And there is stuff because I remember um and I talked a few times, uh, one day, Daddy DRS decided, oh, I'm gonna screw the bank and yeah. I'm not gonna pay the mortgage. Well, guess what happened? Well, they took the house. <laughs> because if you don't pay the mortgage, <laughs> they take the house. We lost <laughs> everything yeah and those are the consequences when you're a young kid underage and you're like this is the house that you knew even though it wasn't the best house ever it was not the it was an old farm my grandfather had it and he passed away before he had the time to actually remodel that farm and so we lived in there and it was our house it was our roots basically well The trauma was to what that was one of the biggest trauma for me was just to go into the unknown and lose everything everything that I knew was gone and this is what you know kids have to understand the violence that come along with them it's not them they're born in the middle of something that two individuals have set in motion but this is should not be their burden neither should they carrying this on their shoulders but they don't know that
1: they don't know that because nine times almost every case the adult who mm-hmm. is parent is also just a traumatized child who yep. has is just trying to survive and, exactly. and not with trauma that was handed to them or not getting the chance to escape it and they and they they stay constantly in survival brain survival mode yep and they carry other people along with them, and it keeps repeating itself, and it's repeating itself, and it's and it's it's challenging. It's it's something that we we need to look at on a global level, just to stop and say, why do we have, why is there so why do we avoid this why why is there and I don't mean to sound dark saying this, but I but I yeah. believe in many ways we live in a child hating society when we start looking at healthcare, access to birth control, or even you know school shootings. Yep. this this trauma is real the gun culture the gun culture in this 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 country is 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 thick and and you have the these people who are constantly caught in a state of survival who mm-hmm. never get a chance to thrive
2: yep. and you
1: only break the cycle once you understand that you are not the trauma and that you actually can switch into thrive mode
0: exactly but it takes someone to do that or you need to become an observer because it came to a point when I was about I don't know 11 I looked at the situation where we were and I'm like that was way before a few years before we lost the house and I'm like hmm those two are the most toxic individual ever it's like a nuclear bomb every single time I'm like this is not something I want in my life their monkey their circus is not mine and I'm like, yes. I'm not gonna reproduce this. I do not want this in my life. But I became the observer. I look at them and say, they're crazy people, okay? I never felt, first of all, in the place where I was over there to start with because I was an odd uh, um, kid, meaning I never thought the same way that they did. It was, I was in a different plane. <laughs> Thank God, actually, yeah. because oh my God, that would have been an unfolding disaster, but It's observing it and realizing it. What are they doing? Do I want this in my life? Do I want to to follow their path? But most of the children don't know that because they're so accustomed to see it. They don't think, can I break the cycle? Is there something wrong? Because it's normal. It's normal. It's normal for them. And they've been conditioned to do this.
1: Yeah, that's normal for them. They don't know any, any other thing. And mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was 21, I got in just before I left to move to, to Minneapolis. Um, I got myself into a little bit of trouble because I was an angry kid. And like, yeah. you know, most most angry kids who grow up poor, you get yourself into trouble from time to time. And yeah. I remember the the court system and it was, you know, it was a misdemeanor offense. It wasn't anything felonier. You know, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, it was a misdemeanor offense. But they they ordered me to go speak to a counselor. And I remember going to that counselor and saying, Hey, you know, I'm, this is what my life has been like growing up. And I remember that counselor looking at me going, you do realize that what goes on in your household is not normal. And I looked at him, I said, well, what is normal? What's normal? exactly. And he looked at me, he goes, did you feel like you had plenty of food when you were growing up? I said, mm-hmm. no. He goes, did you feel like that you could come home and know that you you had a reasonable expectation of safety? I said, Mm -hmm. no. He goes, that is not okay. And he said, that is the problem. What you went through is not your fault and no child should ever have to go through that. And I need you to understand that was not your doing and you need to stop beating yourself up for it. What you did, what happened to you is not your fault. And it was, a, it was a turning moment for me to stop and go, oh, whoa, wait a minute, this doesn't happen to everybody?
0: Exactly. Isn't that a shocker when somebody says that to you? Yeah.
1: yeah, I stopped and I said, oh, you, oh what, wait a minute, you know, the yeah. other, people, other, other people actually can go home and, and not beat up and have food in the cabinet. This is yep. real.
0: Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't have to go and steal. That yeah. happened to us too. We had, at one point in time, we had no more food, we had to go and steal. Yeah, because there is no food. There's nothing. And so what There's are nothing. you going to do? Yeah, and and that's what people don't understand. You know, it's not like, um, and I, I understand when you know some people go to some stores because they are desperate. They have nothing to eat. Yeah. They they they're working. They do their best on everything. But when you got nothing to eat, it's like when we lost everything. Um, uh, my mom was able to secure uh, an apartment, and one of my sister and I was staying in there. Yeah. The other one was in a different town, miles and miles away. So she she never got exposed to what we went through. And uh, at one point of time, we look at other, my mom said, well, I can only pay the bill. I'm like, okay, well, sorry for a month. We went and uh, not proud to do it, but we had to steal to get some food.
2: Yeah.
0: And we had to do what we had to do. It wasn't for the luxury to go to a store and say, oh, today I'm going to steal some food. No, it was yeah. because we needed it.
1: We needed it. You know, my mom was a, was a very moral and good person who, and, and, I, don't, and I don't mean this as, as any type of judgment or indignation to oh, no. or anyone else's mother. My mother worked every single day of her life to survive and take care of us and put food on the yep. plate, you know, if, 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 in terms of horrible circumstances. But there were other needs <clears throat> that we didn't have met. You know, we'd see kids walking around with nice clothes or maybe kids had- something. something some something that you didn't have, yep. and, and at that time you'd. Lo- I remember one time looking at my mom, and we were arguing about something that I asked her to buy for me. Yeah, and she said, "Scotty, I cannot buy that for you. I don't have the money." And then I and I remember looking at her and saying, "Well, if you were a better mother, you would."
0: Oh wow! Yeah, I understand. <clears throat> that was the reflex. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and my mom, I remember, started crying. Yeah.
0: This
1: is 1986, and my mother's name is Donna, and Donna was woke, and Donna, I remember Donna looking at me saying. Scotty, you are a white, educated male.
2: Yep. You
1: will make more money in your lifetime than I ever will, so you go get it for yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: And at the time, I thought, oh my god, she is just the, you know, the, wow. The
0: worst woman ever, <laughs>
1: the worst mom ever. And now I look back on that, and I'm still very close to my mother, and it and and helped to take care of my mother to this day, but yep. I look back on that moment, and she was absolutely right.
0: Oh, uh, we, you know, it's interesting. We, we're sharing stories right now. Very, very interesting, actually, because I would never have thought we would be sharing this. But um, I have two sisters, and we're we are one year apart, each one of us. I'm the youngest one. Problem is, is my mom, because, again, like I said, we were poor, so that's mean. We only had secondhand clothes uh, that yeah. was given to us, and she would go to, um, it's similar to a thrill shop, but it wasn't a shop. It was kind of a, A place where they would go into like maybe a church or a room and they will give uh, clothes like that or you pay it at a lower price and my mom like your mom my mom worked 70 to 80 hours a week she had two jobs Uh, so she was like working and there were no tomorrow and uh, because my two sisters are about the same height and size that was fine because she was able to pass it on to the older ones, to the middle one. Uh But me, oh, that was okay at the beginning, but I went and I'm way taller than they are. So she could not pass it on their clothes to me at the end. But Mm -hmm. we we never had brand new clothes or anything like that at the beginning at all. And yes, it was kind of embarrassing once a while when you were a kid and see others having nice clothes and you don't. Yeah. It's 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 kind of a little stigma, but you know what? You can feel embarrassed. You you know, they we had no money. Uh we were um when we had that house, we were they were growing a garden in the back, uh, which gave us uh enough food than we needed, uh yeah. grow up rabbits and stuff like that. But we learned and my mom did that for us. Um, and now in Europe you cannot make the kids work when they're underage or under 14. Yeah. She would make us go to farms and work in farms uh, and stuff like that, yeah. uh, and did even thing. manufacturing.
1: Yeah, did the same thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: worked,
1: worked on a farm. Yeah, started started working in a field at ten years of age.
0: Yeah, exactly about eleven, you know, and you know, 12, something like that. But we were working and do what we could uh, to you know to get some money. Doesn't mean they were paying us properly either. <laughs> <laughs> what we have to do but that was one way that you know we had to survive so this is where it's so nice to know and hear that what you're doing with your nonprofit, what you're doing with the St. Paul School is not only impacting you know changing the life of the the children but connecting with them because I have a feeling when they are approaching you and that's probably why um, they call you uncle is they can feel as well that you are not born with a silver spoon in your mouth.
1: No, it's true. There's, when you're working with, and, and I say this to anybody out there who's listening, who might be uh, an inner city educator or a youth worker who is, mm-hmm. who is struggling to build mm-hmm. those um, relationships. And, and especially to those that, that are, um, you know, especially to those who are white, um, there's an authenticity that needs to happen. You, yes. you can't. You can't just walk out the front door and say, "Hey, I'm a Jay Z fan. Guess guess what I heard Jay Z or, mm-hmm. or Kanye or Cardi B do last night." Or or you come in and you you walk like you're down with the hood.
0: Yeah. No. They,
1: they understand that. They 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 find they they smell it. They sniff out mm-hmm. deep, insincere and disingenuous. Yes. They smell it a mile away. Oh, yes. You know, and it's one of the things that I do with every new student I get. They come in and they have that shield up. Yes. I will sit down with them and say, I want to get to know you. And they, they won't say much at first. And I said, Oh, and I'll say, Okay, let me tell you my life story. Let me tell you where I came from and who I am. Yeah. And then I followed up with saying, No one's ever denied me opportunity because of the color of my skin. But I do know what it's like to go without because you are you have the stigma of being poor Exactly. And that opens up a whole world where at that point they go whoa nobody's ever said this to me before Yep. um I I I gotta hang with you I gotta I gotta learn more from you I gotta find out where you're coming from how, exactly. how did you how did you get out of that I need to know mm-hmm. how you got out of that and I and and I can see that you can help me get out of it too
0: And that's the goal. It's the goal is to get them the tools, empowering them, show them, mentoring them. So they don't go to, they break the cycle. They're moving to where they're supposed to be. And I did not have that when I was younger. And the worst part where I was, because to make it even I wish I had
1: me when I was younger. (laughs) Me too.
0: I some level,
1: walking around.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wish I had me. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i was at the worst part on our side too to make it even worse educational wise so here it was at least a little bit better than in europe they would know what your parents were doing so when it comes down to the going to a higher education if you're a white collar poor they will yeah. not give you access to universities unless you were a freaking genius yeah they will not give you the application purposely, they decided and they wanted to decide where you belong, which to me was appalling.
2: Yeah.
0: So they will, so like my mother was cleaning up houses Yeah. and my dad, uh, well, he did several things. So we're gonna take the first one he did, which was um, building, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Houses and um uh what do you call it uh buildings as well well, even as well building offices so he was that so consider a white uh, blue colors not white but blue colors so basically we were already have the handicap right there because they decided well if she clean up house and he doing this they can do the same that's what they're going to be doing even though they did not check the IQ they did not care about it that's what they wanted us to do and the education wasn't there yeah. I, we never were given opportunity to just say, hey, here's um, an application to go to the university. Yeah. None. 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 You are on your own. You're on your own. Yes. So that makes that makes it more as a big handicap because possibilities were restricted and you had to figure it out how to get out of this and that yeah. situation, which is not fair.
1: No, it's not.
0: Mm-mm. So... Knowing that you're working with a great school and you're encouraging children and you show them uh, to show up on time, to really be dedicated dedicated and accountable. It's amazing. And doing it with music, which is even better because I know music is one way to lift up your energy because I do use music. It's, It's wonderful. I think it's really show them that they can dream big, that... Yes. You know, the sky is the limit.
1: Absolutely it is. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting because it, it you know, another story with that is, is being able to imagine more for them helps mm-hmm. them imagine more for themselves. I was at a, um, a, um, community meeting a few weeks ago talking where there was a number of community leaders there talking about, um, you know, ending the gap of homelessness and employment for, for young people, especially mm-hmm. low-income young people, underserved young people. And they were talking about what we really want to invest in is we want to, we want to uh, you know, inspire and drive these young people towards the trades, construction jobs, yes. jobs yes. electrician jobs. Okay. Yep. And I look at that and that's great. Those jobs are great and they pay well, but I'm sitting here coming from a recording arts high school Mm -hmm. And I remember standing up in the room saying, yeah, all of those things are great and they're needed and they're good jobs. But what what if you're a creative? Yes. Are you telling this creative that you're not going to invest in who they are or supply job training unless you specifically say you're Black, you're underserved, you're Black, you're low income. The state thinks that the best thing for you is to be a plumber. And this kid wants to work in a film studio. Yeah. And, and I told the people in the room that, and I said, you need to check your bias on this because you know the, the biggest occupation growth in the United States right now, the fastest growing job sector is communications trades, audio yes. engineering, podcasting, mm-hmm. script writing, intellectual property management. And the room kind of looked to me kind of strange. And, and I said, what did y'all do <laughs> during the pandemic? So, what so did y'all so do bad. during the pandemic? yep you listen to podcasts you, mm-hmm. you streamed netflix you streamed amazon i said now that we're out of you know not now we're not out of the pandemic but you know we we're out moving about and milling about with one another again you'll probably go to a concert or a live event this summer who do you yeah. think makes that happen exactly. and these jobs are readily available to these young creatives and they mm-hmm. want them and they pay well so exactly so to tell a young person i'm not I'm not going to give you any type of, you know, any type of job training support or internship support for you to learn how to be a podcaster or an audio engineer or work for a television studio because the state says the best thing for a young black male is to be a carpenter. I'm sorry, that's racism. It just is.
0: Well, I cannot call it racism because I experienced that. Yeah. Um, So... It's I will English. call it segregation at this point. It's more segregation in my yes. book because they're, it's more segregation because they're looking at your income. Yep. And they put you in a category. This is what really made me angry. Many, many years they're, later. Yes, so, right.
1: They're categorizing. It's they're
0: categorizing. Basically, if you are not in a bracket like we did, my parents were poor. We were not rich. Guess what? You're not going to have access to universities. You're not going to have higher education because we say so. And I'm like, Wow. What did I do to you? Because my parents are poor, so I cannot have access to this. But yeah. that's not fair. So okay. you're telling me somebody who's maybe not as small as it is, but their parents are white collar, making tons of money, they have right. access to everything. I even have an interesting story to share on this one, and that's a true story. I have a passion for um jewelry, uh stone, raw okay. stone. And one of my I was talking to somebody actually yesterday about that too again and I put it on some of my past podcasts when I talked about that too, is I have a passion for stone. I, maybe in a past life, was a stone cutter. I love stone, precious stone. And I have a fascination because you need to be extremely good in mathematics and looking at how when you get a raw stone, if you cut it wrong, you will shatter into 10,000 pieces, it's gone. But I always wanted to learn to do this because for me, it's a passion. I love it. So when I was over in Europe, we had to pass, uh, there was a little uh, uh, test to pass to go to that school to become juror, okay? And the the seats were limited, about I think 15 to 20 seats, that was it. And so I applied to to go and pass the test like everybody else's. Well, I did, I passed the test when, you know, got the result. The result, I got rejected. I'm like, okay, that was disappointed. I'm like, oh, that suck. Well, I was still in the same school that the jewelry was, actually. And I learned from a teacher who told me up to my face. And I was like, what the heck? There was a girl where daddy and mommy had a jewelry store. She went and passed the test, but flunked the test actually, they gave my seat because my parents were not jewelers to her. Yeah. How fair is that? Well, I am here today, so there is a reason I failed. (laughs) They did not give it to me, which is okay. But you you think about the children who have capability to do something and be segregated because guess what? Your parents are not this, their parents are not that. So guess what, because you're below the the average uh income then yeah. automatically we're going to put you in a segregated area like we were when we grow up and just we're not going to give you a chance you're just going to tell you what we're going to tell you we're going to go and that's it yeah.
2: that's not
0: fair for no, anyone and this happened over t- oh, 30 plus years ago all right now we're in 2022 and it's appalling to hear the same thing happening still happening here that's not fair for the child
1: no it's not and
0: it's we not. need to stop this that segregation need to stop the bias about because people are poor my, my father came from italy he did not win the school where uh, in europe he did not because he was a child uh both of them are child of uh, war 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 ii sure. However, he was, extre- he was brilliant. He was a freaking genius, actually. Super smart. Uh, I read a lot of books. So is my mom. So is my mom. But they never did higher school. And, but they were brilliant people. Very smart people. My dad went and uh, I remember he passed a contest because he wanted to switch industries. One day he decided today I'm going to get my own business. I'm like, holy crap. And uh, he went and he had a guy who has an MBA and he was able to beat the guy who he had no education, study, pass on the top of that guy. And it was math, it was other things and he had to pass a bunch of stuff that was extremely difficult because we had to be quiet. Otherwise he was ready to beat the crap out of us if we were making noise, but he passed the test and was the highest scored one with no education. So for me, it's like, why would you cut the wings of a child who has limitless possibilities, who's learning something that is going to be living with his passion, especially if it's music, especially if it's concert, going to do something that's going to be fantastic and live a full life and inspire others. Why should we keep them, their head under the water? Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. They already had enough of the challenges, of the life they're living in. I was, good Lord. It's like, I said, Cause it and Cause it and the miserable next to it. It's a walk in a freaking park. Don't put more challenges on the front of those kids, especially like you're helping them. You're guiding them. you You give them what they need as a tool. Yes. You're teaching them accountability. You're teaching them everything they should learn. But they never did from their parents because of circumstances. You're turning those kids around to have a better future. Don't cut their wings. Yes, I'm passionate about it. Sorry, people.
1: <laughs> I, I and I appreciate the the passion about it. I understand it because it's true. It's it's it, again. It's not what they we want them to become. No. It's, who they can discover who they want to be yes, and, and giving them the support to do that.
0: Exactly. And they are not all animals. We're not all animals. Even if we we're angry because we were angry too when we were up. Oh my God, we were angry like they were not tomorrow too because we were feeling the, the pain. We never understood why we could not go on vacation. We never understood why we never had brand new clothes. We never understood all of that. We We knew we had no money. Yeah. But it's like, Okay, and what are we going to do about it? Nothing, because this was from our parents. This was their course. Yeah. So how many children so far have you impacted? I'm curious to know. And um, and which one have, which is the best story for you to talk about? And just said, you know, this is one of the best of all of that I have story that I was able to help a child and now is on a path of so much success and happiness. I'm sure they all are, but <laughs> do you have one that comes out um, that's, you know, jump out right now, if you have one. yeah, you have multiple, I want to hear more. <laughs> you
1: know, there's, there's so many of them, and I'm actually writing a, a memoir. I'm writing a book that I'll talk about, you know, a lot of this in, in my students, and I hope to have that out within the next year and a half, two years um but in the time that I've been working with high school for recording arts Mm -hmm. I I have probably since I have probably worked with well over 200 students
0: that's amazing
1: and and have you know relationships with those students where I I know that I can go back and 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 talk to them and we are and they still consider me family I mean even even students that graduated two or three years ago which by the way you know HSRA, you know, serves about 350 students per semester. Have all been kicked out, pushed out, dropped out of other school systems. Mm-hmm. A third identify as homeless, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, even if they and we graduate 70% or more of our seniors every year. I mean, just this this year alone, it's we graduate, amazing. You know, we graduated over 100 seniors, which those were all kids that that the other schools said, no, you'll you'll never you'll never graduate, you'll never you know anything. Yeah. Um, but i i've personally been involved in the lives of over 200 students um to kind of give you an example when when the deep the deepest point of the pandemic you know right around march 2020 when it mm-hmm. first started um i got a call from you know an email excuse me from from ramsey county workforce solutions that was funding our, our paid internship programs and they and they said look we're going to shut all the intern programs down um, we're not, we're not equipped to, to deal with it. We're not equipped to pay, you know, our other employers mm-hmm. are backing out, et cetera. I said, absolutely not. I said, we, these kids need access to the economy and support mm-hmm. more than ever right now. And I said, we're, we can do this work in a virtual environment. We can, we can create content mm-hmm. in a virtual environment. We can, we, yes. can, the media. we can do all this stuff in a virtual environment. These are, these are recording arts kids. We can do all of this and please keep them working and you know they can fill out their time sheets take a mm-hmm. photograph of it or or we, i can send them their time sheet in adobe you know adobe um acrobat yep. they can yep. fill it out and i got a I got a letter back from the the head of ramsey county workforce uh, Solutions saying we authorize hsra to continue good the internship program and i said good give me more I'll, i've got 15 right now i'll take every
0: kid you got yep and i and that- took 16. i took 60 that's wonderful you know it really showed that you have to fight when you start to stand up for something you believe people will pick it up very quickly and realize how much impact it has and i'm so glad they did not shut it down i am so glad you were able to convey the message that it was critical for those young children to continue and bring more on board from 15 to 60. yeah and then, George,
1: and then George Floyd was murdered.
0: Mm-hmm. On the top of it, Minneapolis
1: burned. Minneapolis burned.
0: Yes, it did. Unfortunately,
1: and so that was that was an intense time. And yes. uh, but you know when I think about a, a child that I've worked with, um, mm-hmm. there is um, man, there are so many, but there there's a young Native American woman um, that I work with who when I first met her, very untrusting, very unsure of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, You know growing up in 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 a situation um that was very unstable Mm -hmm. and suffering from all kinds of depression and Mm -hmm. um, but i kept working with her i kept getting her internships i kept getting her jobs i kept saying i believe in you i believe in you and i kept challenging her and the more she grew she began to come out of that shell. And you started to see this powerful voice and this leader emerge. Mm -hmm. But every now and then she'd get down on herself and say, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't show up. I I haven't been around. I'm sorry I haven't been coming Mm -hmm. to work. And again, I never gave up on her. And she graduated this spring. Wow! And um, she has her own apartment now.
0: I'm so proud. And what's her first name?
1: Her name is TT. I,
0: I want to give a shout out to TT for such yeah. not giving up and for you. And See? she has
1: moved into this leadership role. She's actually an intern with something called Reconnect Rondo, which in Minnesota we have our our, our the Rondo neighborhood, which is kind of like our own black Wall Street, where uh, during the 1960s, a thriving black neighborhood with over mm-hmm. 700 black owned homes, 300 black owned businesses. Um, the interstate system they drove it through the entire neighborhood and destroyed it yep and displaced hundreds of families it happened Mm -hmm. in every city across the united states but in minnesota we are specifically working on a project for a land bridge to put a land bridge over the top of interstate 94 and reclaim that land with black owned home black owned businesses etc and tt is part of a team of high school recording arts interns who are doing a study um, making 15 bucks an hour in a 47 week internship to decide what will go on that land bridge and how it will impact future generations.
0: That is wonderful. This is what powerful, this is what one person can do to me. All right. We are impacting people at so many levels and listening to you, I'm, I'm having goosebumps. That's why I said, there's no reason I wanted to stalk you and I didn't want to, <laughs> I wanted to. See, you know, when I want go on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn, I did um, that series because I've been doing podcasts for the past few years, but that series to me had a lot of meanings because it's talking to people, entrepreneurs, business owners that created something and there is a meaning behind and i love your story because this story i, I relate to your story because uh, you're beginning of the same than mine um, but it's powerful what one person can do thank you that will impact not one person but not 200 person two people no two not 200 thousands and thousands of people because yeah. You work with children that are going to pass it on to everybody around them. You know, we influence our outer conditions and the people around us. So I always said, whatever I do here, where I'm at right here in the US, in Minnesota right now, will impact a person on the other side of the world because that impact is going to be carried on to others and directly without them knowing. Yeah. And you have a pretty powerful impact. I love the fact, that you're humble when you talk about it. Then that's why the children, I think, kind of keep you in check as well, because you're facing every time you meet a young child. Sorry, kids, as I say, well, I'm not. I'm a young adult. Fine, we're gonna use it young adult at this point, not young child, because I say, well, am I say young child? Yeah, but. A young adult who has gone through trauma, you have been able to sit down with them, take down the walls. Because I remember when I was a kid, oh, freaking it, there were a couple of triple walls and nobody were able to get in. You could not even put a little poke on my walls to try to figure it out. You, however, have been able to give and break that wall and connect with them. Thank you. They give you the respect. You give them their respect as well, but you yeah. did not broke Thank the you. respect by doing something totally idiotic, quote unquote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Abusing abusing your power where you are, you know, because some people will do that, yeah. but you don't. You're supporting those children. You're encouraging them. That the beautiful story you just shared with this beautiful indigenous person who has gone through trauma, you have not given up on her. No, and that, exactly. And that is amazing because those children need the support. And we always say, there is one word they should know. I believe in you. Believe in you. Nobody say that to children. Believe Nobody you. believed in me. <clears throat> yeah, it was a lost So i I'm like, no, she's crazy enough. We don't know what she's going to do. That was... You would have asked everything from my mom. She, well, my older sister wanted to be a chef. She's not a chef now, but she she went to school for it. She decided the middle one should be working in pharmacy for some unknown reason because that was her dream and she decided to put it on her. And me, well, I was the last cause. So basically, I could have gone to the recycled <laughs> bin and I would have been it because we did not know what the crazy one would be doing. Well, <laughs> that was it. But they were not, the word I believe was never part of the language. Yeah. Where I grew up, it makes a huge impact. Like your grandma said, the word, I believe in you. Yes. By putting that beautiful drawing you did on the wall, yeah. she put that stamp and said, I believe in you, without using the words, probably just by the gesture. The gesture. And that's what you're doing today with those children. To me, it's an amazing journey you've got. That's why I was talking to you because I knew there is something <laughs> we needed to talk. As I said, I know there is people like, what do you want to talk to me? I want to talk to you because there is something, there is a message. And I want people to hear your story because that story is going to inspire others.
1: Thank you. Thank it, you. You know, you're carrying on the tradition of, you know, they talk about carry it forward, carrying on the tradition of, of what my, my grandmother did for me mm-hmm. there a couple of little girls who who live in the yeah. apartment building that i live in and um they don't have dads around mm-hmm. and i will come home some days and i've told them oh you can just go ahead and decorate my door however you want and i will yeah. come home some days and these little girls have taped their latest drawing to my front door
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a few minutes later i'll get a knock at the door and i'll look out and, and there one of them stands and i'll talk to them about their artwork and say it's beautiful mm-hmm. and, and I believe in you and and I, I remember one time we were having we were having some some uh, a small community party community gathering here in in our building and I told the two little girls well you know there's gonna be a lot of people here tonight why don't you set up a table and sell your artwork
2: exactly
1: and those little girls sat there and sold their artwork all night they really cleaned up man
2: exactly <laughs>
1: they up, you know so, but, but you, you know, know what it's when you know, they said I know they need it, so I do it, you
0: know? Exactly. And needed the inspiration and the beliefs because they need somebody to support you. And that's what it's hard because when you grow up in such a harsh environment, or you have a parent that is not present in their lives, and the other parents is always working, trying yeah. their best. If you don't have somebody to encourage you, to look at you and just said, I believe in you, you got it. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. Makes a that's huge. an inspiration. And the hardest part for you as well is when you meet those kids at school, they are already deep in, in the pain. They are already deep in a flyer fight mode. Yeah, they are. They, so you have to remove that. You have to recondition them, quote yeah. unquote, to realize, Hey, it's not you. It's the circumstances, yeah. the outer condition you're in sure. are not yours. And this is very hard to um to show a child a, a young adult it's not your fault yeah
2: no, true. you're
0: just what, what I want to say is I will never use the word victim because this is not the case no. but you are just part of it you, you are here and have to deal with the circumstances of what was set in motion yes and it's It takes courage to do what you're doing. It takes patience. It takes love and dedication. And really, I'm sure there is probably some of those young um, um, kids, teenagers, where he probably said, oh, my God, I'm being challenged this time. How I'm going to get through to you or her, him or her, to get the message.
1: Yeah. There have been many times when I've looked at a young person and said, I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. just don't make me come visit you in the penitentiary on christmas
0: day exactly exactly what has been the most challenging part of what you're doing
1: i think the most challenging part of what i'm doing is um is sometimes you know um you know people people look at someone like myself, allies sometimes, so social rights, social activist allies sometimes have a tendency to make it all about themselves.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. And,
1: you know, and I think the biggest challenge is, is, is always building the trust mm-hmm. that uh, this isn't about me. I'm, I actually care about your community. I care about these mm-hmm. children. Yes. You know, that's the biggest challenge of getting past that idea that, well here you come, you're just some culture vulture. Um, you're just some white ally who's going to turn around and make it all about you and that's that's the hardest thing to overcome. The other thing that that it that is difficult to overcome is to get people to listen and understand what the needs of these young people are and and often I'll be effective at you know if we need to do a food drive for them. Mm-hmm you know, I, I will use my organization, you know, to rock the because to, to do a food drive for them and collect, you know, food, other stuff. Um, but it's you, you can really tell the incredible stories of these kids. And maybe you'll see one or two likes on a Facebook post or an Instagram post. But then if you post something that's just like a picture of a cat you'll get 150 likes and and to me it's like it's it's indicative of people just kind of tuning out and not wanting to have to face the fact that um there is real hardship in the world people people these days especially i always hear people say the world is so uncertain right now well guess what the world's always been uncertain yep it's it's just the veil is lifted back exactly being forced to look at it and you can either look at it and move forward, or you can stay in la-la land and deny it.
0: But that, what I love is the fact that you started something that's changed the life of the of young um, people who, again, it's a question of segregation. I'm going to use the word segregation because that's what it is. I am too right.
1: from now on too. It is
0: segregation. It's not racism I, 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 because... I know you know, per my experience, uh, there was some racism on us because we got an Italian name, so it did not help either, but <laughs> <laughs> sure. but in general, they did not care. It was segregating is do you make the income below or above? Oh, yeah. you're below, so we're gonna segregate you, and you're just gonna yeah. stay low as we wish, no, and to me, that segregation needs to stop because it can be any you know color skin, it doesn't matter of the color skin, it doesn't matter. Oh. It's where you're born and how much your parents have on their banking account.
1: That's all. You're absolutely right. And you know, you have taught me something here today too. And I'm going to start using that and looking at it more as, you know, especially from my story where I grew up and understand what yep. this isn't about this. This is about segregating yes. and including people because everybody who does not have access to the economy, everybody who doesn't have yep. e- rights, everybody who doesn't have equal playing ground, they are segregated, and they yes. are all fighting the same battle.
0: Exactly. We need to stop, and I'm going to say that up and loud, and the people are going to like me. I don't care. No, we
1: right.
0: need to stop to use the color of the skin of anyone, because it's not the skin or the color of the skin. It's how much do you go above the threshold of middle class, or are you considered basically poor, lower class? If you're lower class, Most people, unless you're a genius, they will not give you access. So the segregation needs to stop. And instead of looking at where you're born, who are your parents, look at the child. We were not given a chance to go to university because they didn't want to give it to us. Why? Simply because my parents were not white-collar. And it's appalling, as I said, and it was 30-plus years ago. That changed in Europe because now they even poor children can go to university. The difference between over Europe and here, unless you go to private universities, public universities you only pay like what, not even a thousand dollars for the tuition and that's it. Okay. The rest is free. Here you gotta pay thousand, hundreds, and uh, thousands and thousands of dollars for education, which to me is like seriously. But that's the way it's running here, so I'm not gonna go there. But now. Over there, it doesn't matter what your parents are doing or whatever. You have the capability for every children to be able to go to the university. Here, yes. it's appalling to see they still segregated. Oh, yeah. you're in a poor area. Oh, you're living where? No, that's part of the area. Then we don't give opportunities. Yeah, and that is not fair because children have, are so creative. Yeah. I talked to um, someone, I, uh, to a coach. His name is uh, Ross Swan, and he's over in Singapore. And I say that on other uh, my podcasts as well. We should be teaching at school, any school, leadership, that should be part of it, to children starting at the age of three or four. Yeah. Because I can guarantee we will have more entrepreneurs who will be in their teens creating a better world and work together. Yes. Creativity. Absolutely. Children are creative. You were poor and a creative person. Doesn't matter the color of the skin. I have known people of different colors, different background, ethnicity, who are creative people. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. And to me, colors doesn't mean anything in my book. But I know I'm going to piss off people. I don't care, <laughs> well. because it's not about the outer shell. It's who you are inside.
1: It's who you are inside and and how you, and your circumstances that you didn't ask for segregated you and kept you from opportunity. Yes. And that's, and that's, I think that's the thing that, that people, when you really get faced with anger, Mm -hmm. it's, it's one, you know, I have been segregated. I have been looked upon as less than. Yes. I have been told that this is only, this is available to me.
0: And it's not racism, because people put the label of racism, and I'm not calling you on that, but most mm-hmm. people said, well, if I don't get this, you're a racist. No, 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 no. Segregation. You're being labeled below. It has nothing to do with the color of the skin. It has to do with, I'm segregating you, because you don't need to have access to this, because we decided you want not brighten up. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. No, yeah. or you will go to trade school, because, you know, we need people. Okay, yeah, but...
1: what we to over here.
0: Mm-hmm. Forget that
1: that you might forget the fact that you might have the next cure of cancer you might be the next person yeah but but we need you over here working as a plumber exactly that's where we want you to be
0: exactly not not okay no it's not it's not and those kids are so creative and you give them opportunities to learn actually something not only this but as you're teaching them they're starting to figure it out. Oh, well, I don't like to do these things to record videos. However, I would like to write scripts. I would like to do maybe some music recording, becoming a producer. So it gives them the range to learn in the same time. What am I good at? And you know what? When they figure out what they're good at, within this world of <clears throat> music and entertainment and whatever it is, they're going to excel. They're going to supersede this. And they may be going to be able to, uh, and I would not be surprised, and some of those um, young children you work with, young uh, um, teenager I had to stop to say children, because I got going to say, hey, man, you're not two years old. <laughs>
1: we are- I'm 54 years old. Anybody under the age of 40 to me as a kid?
0: <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm 53 is the same way. I don't know why. I'm like, yeah, you're kids. And like, you can't matter what. I'm like, I could be your mother or your grandmother. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But. You know what I mean? It's like giving them the opportunity to excel and learn who they are, what they can do, and cannot without somebody tapping on their shoulder and said, "You know what? That's nah, not that good. Let them explore, and they will figure it out." That's what give them the opportunity to open up with their creativity, to give them, I believe, um, being more secure, being more grounded, authentic, and know themselves. Yes. Yes, You're, absolutely. I'm sure from the beginning then you meet a, a young um, a teenager to, I don't know, a full year, I'm sure you see the transformation from you somebody do. totally close to the world to yeah. somebody who is not that person, but truly who they are.
1: No, it's true. It's It's an amazing moment when you see it happen because you'll see... The young person come in and maybe they've been to five, six, seven, sometimes even 10 different high schools. They've, mm-hmm. they've been all over the place. There's no stability. Mm-hmm. They Come in and, and we have a, a program at, at High School for Recording Arts. It's it's our uh, what we call Aztec program. And um, we, we name it Aztecs after Alpha. We changed it to Aztec because that, that seemed to resonate more with our students. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go into that program and they begin learning just life skills and social skills and
0: exactly.
1: we we begin helping them to help to re to help restructure the way their their lives are situated so that they can learn and there'll be all sorts of behavior problems that come with it and you'll know, you'll have this moment you're like oh man I really hope this kid makes it I hope that they can pull through this I hope that they can break through the darkness and you're you're constantly you know reassuring you you mm-hmm talking to them about, you know, and I say this a lot, I'll say, hey, just when you're ready to have your breakout moment, the darkness is going to reach up and grab you. Yes. And you, can't, you cannot let it take you. And then you'll see them wor- work through the trauma and work through the mm-hmm. process. And then they'll start coming to school on a more of a regular basis because yeah. they feel safe there. And then one on one day, you see it, the light bulb just comes on. And here's this beautiful, mm-hmm. thoughtful, brilliant, Trans- transformed into a lifelong learner and community person community leader and once a vocation and a career and boom the light bulb comes on and there they are yes it's amazing that, to see it's
0: amazing isn't it it's like is that they're like um it's like being in a chrysalis this is exactly what it is before they become the butterfly they have yes. they are inside yes. and they have to break that shell you cannot do it for them because the more no. you try the more they're going to go back in. But you have to let them work through because this is their journey. How to break free. How to finally stop that generation of repetition that happened over and over. They're breaking the cycle, actually, which is amazing because a lot of people, when you go through trauma, and I said it went from being poor to everything else. So are my parents breaking the cycle and said, nope. No, we're stopping this, that line, that ancestral line, stop right here, no more. That's what those kids are doing. This is what you're doing for them. You are helping them to break that cycle, to say, stop, no more. Now I'm starting fresh. That's mean the next generation will not have to deal with what I've gone through.
1: Absolutely. And you know what's amazing is to watch the students who um, have been at HSRA maybe a couple of years longer, mm-hmm. and they'll see the younger student coming in or they'll see the new student coming in who is struggling. And it's beautiful to watch the other students come in mm-hmm. and kind of form a pack around them. Exactly. get through it. And there's this pack mentality that happens. Yes. That, I was once you. I know exactly what you're exactly. going through. And you come to the, you you head to the center of the pack and we got you. we that's gonna, so-
0: I call it the circle of light. You call it the pack. It's the circle (laughs) of light.
1: It's a circle of light, yes.
0: Yes, it is a circle of light. This is where you can lean on them because it's a safe place. You create your own circle of light. People should have, I don't care if you have one person or two person or 10, you have a circle of light. The people will come in your life and help you. They're not going to judge you. They're going to listen to you. They're going to ground you. They're going to call you on your own, quote unquote, shit. They will. They will. They will be honest with you. They have no heal intention. The only intention they have is the love, the pure and conditional love for you to heal and succeed. If you fail, they will be there to help you to get up. They will give you the encouragement. But you will have to do the work, but they will be by your side. This is what, you know, it's amazing what you have done. That's the reason I wanted to talk to you. It's amazing. And I wish, and I know this is going to be played around the world. So I'm very humbled to have you today because this is what one person can do.
1: Well, thank you for seeing and hearing me. And thank you for giving me this space.
0: Oh, I'm more than happy to do that. But I would like to invite you to another session with me as well, because I want to talk more about the projects. What other projects do you have running right now? Because you talk about the book, which is going to take a year and a half. So, we're going to have a wait for a year and a half. Sorry, guys. Um, what do you have going on and how can we help you with your organization?
1: You know, um, we've got so many different projects that are happening right now. Um, you know, one, we're constantly working on new music with my record label. So, we have a number of new artists that we are um, bringing on board. Um, I'm doing um, a lot more with Afrocentric artists. Um, you know, and, and we realized, you know, the, organ, the record label is called Rock Because, Rock Because Records. Mm-hmm. But we're going to create a, um, an imprint, an imprint. It doesn't mean a different record label or a different corporate entity, but an imprint of Rock Because called Afro World Records. And, and really start working, um, you know, with artists on the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. and Artists who are really playing music that is more influenced by the diaspora of um indigenous cultures around the world beautiful Um, so afro world records you know i love Mm -hmm. i love gabriel as an artist i i love what he did with real world records
2: yep
1: and i and i want to create something you know with that so we've got you know a number of artists that we're working with we you know i'm doing p i do pr for the grammy award-winning sounds of blackness they're an artist that i do pr for. oh
0: yes i know i love those guys they're awesome they're phenomenal
1: yeah they're phenomenal so we just wrapped up helping them with their new single june Mm -hmm and still a lot of work to do on that. And then we're moving into um, the NFT w- metaverse. We're working with a okay. company FIMI Marketplace, which is, yeah. which is a Jamaican word that means for me. Mm-hmm. And um, we are helping artists like the Sounds of Blackness and the High School for Recording Arts students, you know, launch NFTs in the metaverse. FIMI is a really cool um, NFT site because it's 100% dedicated um, to serving women and people of color to help them come into the metaverse.
2: Wonderful.
1: Um, it's really super cool. And then, um, you know, Rock Cause right now is the facilitator. We are the teaching facilitators. We have um, two licensed teachers mm-hmm. um, that work with us to help facilitate the interns on the Reconnect Rondo project. Okay. Um, we're working on that and uh, I'm writing a book um, I mean, there's always so much stuff going on. I mean, that, that you can really follow if you want to know what we're up to, you can follow yes. our, <laughs> You can follow us on social media at, at i rock the Cause at i rock the Cause, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram will always tell the story. Mm-hmm. And our website i rock the our website i rock the um, always has updates of what we're working on music wise, et cetera. We've got a whole music store out there. You know, just one of the best ways you can support us is just by downloading, playing, and streaming the music. Yep. You know. So
0: if people want to connect with you directly, how they can connect with you via your social media?
1: Social or? media, or they, they can contact me at rockstar at irockbecaus.org. Rockstar at irockbecaus.org. Okay. Yeah, that,
0: they can contact me.
1: yeah and, you know, And, you know, if you're interested in supporting the vocational discovery program, uh, we're always looking for uh, employers that are that are looking for young people with incredible skill sets so they can work in a, in a virtual environment. Those programs always need funding, so you can contact me at rockstar at also to discuss any funding that you might want to to be a part of with those programs.
0: fabulous, so you can hear us today. It would be nice to support, and i'm I'm one hundred percent behind you, and I'm sure people will be. Uh, please support this absolutely wonderful cause, as you can hear, it's an amazing transformation for the uh, young uh, uh, adult, we're going to call them a young adult, I was ready to say young child, but it's young adult, Let's <laughs> <This laughs> be correct before somebody slapping my, my finger and said, Emma, come on, but uh, no, but to support your cause, because I think this is one of the most uh, empowering stories I've heard, um and it's so beautiful. So mm-hmm. I want to do another episode with you in a couple sure. of months, see how you're doing, how what's going on with you, and talk more about what you're doing because seriously, I love it. There was a reason I stalked you and I was like No, I want to talk to you. And it's like, no, <laughs> probably not. What do you want from me? Well, I'm gonna do a podcast. Come on, okay. come on board. <laughs>
1: And you know, next time, maybe we can include some of the voices of the young people I work with. And by the you way, you know
0: what? it would be awesome if we could do that.
1: And we could have the, the young people here and they can tell you about the things they're working on because you can hear it from me. But I think it's better to hear it from them. And the other thing is, if people out there are interested in high school for recording arts, you can learn more about their work at HSRA.org. Again, that's HSRA.org.
0: I would love that because it could inspire other to do exactly the same and then what you're doing somewhere yeah, else, absolutely. and that would be awesome if you people do that. And yeah. yes, that's a great idea. Uh, why don't we schedule something behind the scene and yeah. have uh, some of those young kids—sorry you? to say the word—young kids—and have them talking, and you know they're going to be interviewed by Emma. We're going to have a conversation, and <laughs> it's going to be awesome.
1: It'll be awesome, yeah. No, I think I think you're, the the listeners out there would enjoy actually hearing the stories from the young people themselves because they have, they have been through an incredible journey. Yeah.
0: Exactly. We we have we have shared our journey, but I'm sure that theirs ours not are even more inspiring. And for anyone who's listening around the world, they're going to be inspired by their journeys as well. That's what to what well, that's what the reason I'm doing this. It's one of the main reasons, is to be able to share stories and people can relate and realize that, hey. If that happened to them, they were able to overcome. They kept that inspiration. They light up the fire within themselves and being able to do that as well and transform their lives. So Absolutely. that's awesome. Well, I am so humbled. I've spoken to you, Scott. I am so happy. I'm like, yes. So. Such so,
1: honor to be here. I'm glad you asked. I, I, I love telling this story, and the more people we can tell the story to, it's it's even more meaningful.
0: Oh, trust me, it's going to be t- told everywhere. So. <laughs> uh-huh. The goal, so thank you so much for joining me today. Have a great day,
1: you too, Emma. Thank you so much.
0: Bye.